Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Dave Baker. This is episode 22 of It's Pronounced Zine. On this episode, I'm going to be talking to Rosie Knight and Nick Moreno uh, of Holy Fuck, Holy Fucked, and Cougar and Cub. Uh, on this episode, we talk about Stan Lee, direct market, and maybe how self-publishing is better than any other kind of p- publishing. All right, cool. Let's do it. Here comes Dave Baker with the show. Talking about paper publications you should know. Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene. Don't be getting twisted. Twisted. It's pronounced Zing. Zing, zing, zing. 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 Yes, I got one of these at I got one of these minis at. I just feel like that's our zeniest thing right now. So, Must trying zine. to stay topical, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. What's up? What's up? Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to maybe start uh, by introducing your guys yourselves, and then oh, also, uh, should we? If you want to wear these, you can. I don't. Oh wow, that's very oh, fancy. Yeah. I can hear. Yeah, you. I I don't just because no. when I wear them, I do like NPR voice and I get like right <laughs> up on the. Because you can like hear it. Yeah, I used yeah. to have the opposite problem I'm where I would start like, like almost yelling if I had headphones on. Really? Yeah. Even when you could hear yourself yelling, you're like, uh, it's you totally not picking it up. I had, I had podcast voice, which was like speaking it a little bit louder so the words came across clearer or whatever. But when you have the headphones on, it dims your own right. voice so you don't realize well, just so you how loud do you podcast, You did do like 500 podcasts or something, so I'm not surprised yeah. you have Massive like podcast voice. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, won't, I worry about that as well because like of working in like bars and shit for so long. Right. Like my hearing is absolutely fucked. Oh, and I did bring you something. In, in honor of, oh, it's pronounced zine. Oh, I brought you a zine. Oh no! Nice. Well, I guess mini comic. Do you, I see. I don't mind blurring the line, but technically, I don't know. I, what's it, what's it, your it, definition? Uh, my definition is whatever somebody else wants to call their thing. If they yeah, think it's a it's, zine, I'm the it's same. A zine. If they think it's a fucking uh, comic, it's a comic. Whatever I mean, to they me, my background was if you're self-publishing it and it's. Sort kind of, of that floppy ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's floppy, it's that DIY, you know what I mean? Then yeah. zine mini comic, it's all Absolutely. part of the same like family, Absolutely. you know. Um I'm Dave Baker. Who are you, gentle friends? I- I'm Rosie Knight. I'm Nick Marino. And uh you guys make cool comics. Yeah. yeah. Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. No money. Yeah. We make comics. Yeah, we make we make uh, ways to spend our own money in order to travel the country and uh, produce very expensive pieces of paper that very few people want. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's about it. And yeah. in yeah. ten to fifteen years, we will know enough people so that we can get paid to make them. Hopefully, that's isn't that the weirdest thing? You have to have like a ten year plan, and then if that one doesn't work out, then you have your fifteen year plan. Yeah. Yep. I used to think I had a two year plan. That definitely. I corrected that course quickly. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm on the five-year plan. Mm. And then I hit the five years, and I was like, maybe that guy was right when he told me to have a 10-year plan. <laughs> and now I'm like, it's 
getting close to those 10 years. Better start working on my 15-year plan. <laughs> no, I don't have a plan. That's the best way. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just uh, free-balling. Yeah, I'm just like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> I th- in some ways, I think that's healthier than trying to have... I've, I, that used to stress me the fuck oh, out. Me too. Like, when I was... I grew up in London, and the seat... I was like... I mean, I came up in, like, the poetry scene. That was, like, my first big, like, thing that I was, like, making money from art. And that was when I was, like, a young teenager. So I was, like, constantly obsessed with this idea of, like, properly breaking through and, like, winning awards and getting, like, critical acclaim. But when you're, like, 15, there's always some other cooler, better 15-year-old poet who's going to come up that people want to book and stuff. So it built up this... Builds up this, like, incredible anxiety in you of, like, success. So by the time I was, like, 18 or 19, I was, like... I'm done with that. How did you like, make money off of poetry? That is uh, the most English job ever. Like, I do have to say, whenever I say that to people, like, for 10 years, I was a poet. No, I, well, when I, first, <laughs> when I first started, I actually used to pay, like, get paid really good money for gigs. Like, like, 200 pounds and stuff like that. Just to, like, That's do, amazing. Like, 15 minutes Especially because that was a while back. Like, well, also, when, but there was, there's a really good, thriving poetry scene. Well, like most scenes, I ended up hating it because scenes are terrible. But when I was a kid, there was a good support system for young poets and stuff. And they would, like, push you up. But again, it was, like, that thing of, like, that kind of weird idolatry around, like, youth and having, like, the youngest, coolest hmm. people. So The Mozart of poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like no, that. there is. And there's, like, so there's no legacy. So that was, like, a definite problem, not just for me, but for, like, a lot of the people who came up in the scene that I was in. So that's why when I was, like, then when I was, like, 18, I started doing, like, poetry workshops and that was when England still had a lot of good arts funding so the money in that was really good and I did that pretty much till I moved here mm. till like a couple of years ago because the arts funding all started to get cut so I would do like poetry and comics workshops for like kids who are homeless or kids who are having like problems at school or young offenders and stuff like that and that was a rad way to make money that was like my dream yeah that's, I mean it sounds like of all of the fucking no, things that you could do so writing good. poetry and teaching comics yeah. You you sound like a character from a Noah Baumbach movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, and the funniest thing is, luckily now, I got my friend Johnny, who is who makes like amazing comics. Yeah, Johnny Parker. Yeah, yeah. He asked me to be on a panel, and he just kind of was like, yeah, like, they're doing this panel about diversity, and there's no, like, women or whatever. So he asked me and our friend Mom to do it, and... Uh, and I got there, and it was actually a panel about, like, teaching comics, and I was like, oh, rad. And then I did that at, uh, was that L.A.? Comic-Con. That was at... Yeah, it yeah. was at LA Comic-Con. Um, formerly known as Stanley's no. Kamikaze. Kamikaze, yeah. yeah. I almost forgot for a sec. Yeah. I was going to say Stanley's Comic-Con. How could you forget? The branding is so great. <laughs> I know. Don't you love Stan Lee and all of the things that he has done for the comic book medium? Oh, my God. Can you not... He is the creator. Like, the thing that terrified me so much was... I think I showed... I must have shown it to you, but I'm not sure because we only were hanging around for, like, the last half an hour, but the, they had these, like, official T-shirts, and it was Stan Lee dressed up as a Pokemon trainer... With a po- like, with like a pen, and it so said, upset. "It said Stan Lee," and the catcher got to create a mall. And I was like, God, "You've got to be joking, fuck dude!" That. The cover of the of the um the brochure the or program, whatever the program, for LA it was Stan Lee painting Daredevil. I was like, "Are you serious?" That was my favorite part about it. It was painting Daredevil, but it was a pencil sketch of Daredevil. <laughs> so not only was he not painting anything, he was doing the classic Stanley thing, where what he's doing, he couldn't possibly be doing. But he's showing you that, or he's telling you that he's doing. Well, okay. yeah. no, to be to be all fair, I don't think Stan ever claimed he did the art. He just, for a very long time, did a bad job of not telling well, no, people he, he up, didn't do the art. No, no, this art. is the thing, and that that is the legacy thing of now the or problem. I said that wrong, of telling people he did. 
No, 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 you're right. no but you're right. And like, but also, he did sign his name to all those million exactly. model pages. Like, straight up, yeah, yeah. he's the only person's name who's signed it. And also, pretty- like, you know, I they have this... I don't know if they do this here, but, like, over the last, like, five years in England, right? So sometimes in these little, like, weird Civil War tissue... I'm yeah. sorry, I just looked over. We're in the Meltdown studio. What's it called? I don't know. Fucking Meltdown. I have no idea. Meltdown Radio. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I'm so sorry, Rosie, but this just blew my mind. We're in we're in the studio here, and they have Civil War tissues. Yeah. This has- Marvel's branding is like they are on it, man. They'll put Cap and Iron Man on it, and also I don't really get why you'd make this to short to really like utilize the money making. Par- like scheme of this surely you would have cap on one tissue and iron right. man on another so like you'd either have to buy both mm-hmm. or you could buy one or the other yeah. mm-hmm. i mean everyone everyone i knew was all about team cap so maybe they knew a tony stark one wouldn't sell because he's a terrible person so weird yeah so stanley speaking of which there's his legacy branded <laughs> tissue no, boxes but in england they had they have these weird little like kind of galleries that you can just find on like little high streets they're just like where they'll sell like bad kind of art people have in their houses or whatever like generic kind of made to order art like Kincaid style Jesus paintings or something yeah 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 and like like, you know like weird like you know kind of they mass produce them in like countries like China and stuff and they'll be like fake versions of like a bowl of fruit by like a famous artist or whatever but then about five years ago I started noticing they were selling these signed Stan Lee prints right and they're essentially those big canvas things you can get in Russell Marshalls for like 20 bucks Mm -hmm. right of which will be like a cover like yeah. a cool, you know, Spider-Man cover or whatever. But then someone, because let's be real, it wasn't Stanley, has signed it with Stanley's signature in a silver <laughs> pen. But they were selling them for like £900. That's out of control. Right? And the crazy thing is, 90% of the things were not characters that Stanley had anything to do with. So they just, were just anything Marvel. Any Marvel. And then I, when I started working in the comic shop, there was a gallery across the road and people would always come in and be like, oh yeah, but one of those like Stanley signed pictures. And we'd be like, guy, like, brutal. come on. It's just, yeah, so it's just the way that he franchises his own name is like nothing I've ever seen it's, in any other media. Have you guys seen the, um, I don't remember, I think it's her name is Casey Lee. Okay. She's Stan's daughter, and she, like, tours conventions no. now. Really? With a giant standee of Stan and a massive uh, fold-down, like, vinyl poster that says come meet casey lee the girl who grew up with spider-man and she's like a 50 year old you know 60 year old woman who's like i don't know why she needs to do this it's not like she needs the money yeah okay this is amazing maybe stanley like cut her out or something and she's just like nah i would watch a documentary about that woman though and why she's doing that you know like franchising his own daughter he's like calling up cons being like (laughs) hey my daughter will come with a cardboard standee only twenty five thousand dollars for the weekend so unusual i can't i can't figure it out i can't figure out why stan is still grinding as hard as he is he's not i mean this was his last year but still up until the past decade yes when the guys does he just really enjoy it did he like place a really bad bet in Vegas like what is know, going man. on because the guy know. seems like he's taking any job like Nick Cage yes. <laughs> but he did for a long yeah, time right? for a and long time at least Nick Cage told us he was broke yeah. Stan's never told us he's broke so was he broke what's going on no. is he like I'm gonna build this thing for my entire family so I'll take care of him forever like is that what his deal is I like, don't know he's like 97 or something he's How's 93 he... Yeah, how is he still even walking around? Uh, know thine enemies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's he's ninety three and uh, old Dirty Ditko's eighty nine. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's got a few years. When the Stan- ODD. <laughs> Imagine it like when Stan dies. Like there's this like great like 
dark timeline where Ditko finally just like comes out and becomes this like public star saying all this like, oh, like he's just crazy. waiting for him to he's die. gonna start yeah, getting yeah, yeah. he's gonna start giving interviews yeah, he's yeah, gonna yeah. start returning my letters now yeah. and saying actual answers to the questions nah. as opposed oh my to God. just go the and fuck then away they'll do the they'll do like in about like what like 2020 or something they'll do like the third Spider-Man Homecoming movie and it will have Ditko in it <laughs> <laughs> As the cameo. It will never happen. <laughs> but I would be so happy if it did. There was a time when he did conventions. Oh, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it was just a long time ago. I, I don't know that. Is, was there I, a time? I met, at least I met a guy who had a Ditko sketch on this big roll of paper. I was tabling next to Eisenhoff at the Long Beach Comic Expo. I guess it would have been in 2015. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I lose track of time. Sure. And he had this big role, and he was telling me how Ditko drew this thing for him in what would have been the late 60s, I guess. Mm. So I would assume at the time he was doing whatever those proto-conventions were, you know? Were there real shows back then, though? I don't know. Maybe he he just went to Ditko's house. Yeah, Yeah, well, we know. Well, because a lot of those dudes, like... uh, Forgive me, I just assumed he must have done it at some gathering. Yeah, sure. I don't know if there actually were comics shows back then because yeah, most of that stuff started in like the 70s around like mm. Trek culture yeah that's been, true the, you know what I just realized I told an anecdote to which I don't have <laughs> corroborating evidence oh no no I mean hey that's I want like, that to be true I, that's like the nature of anecdotes though right like you're, the, you're just like yeah this is a thing that happened and take my word for it like, did I ever tell you about the time oh when I did see Bendis yesterday at Universal Studios oh, that's a whoa! real thing I saw him posting that shit on Instagram, and I was like, man, maybe I should just go to fucking no, Universal and dude, run into so him. So we were, like, at Universal, because I, I love it there, and we got, like, those fancy, like... Season hun- pass holders. Yeah, like... Found t- it. Get it, get but it. They do, like, a $119 pass for, like, a whole year if you live in South California, and then that's, like, $5 more than it is for a normal ticket, and my friend was over. But so we're going... We went on the Transformers ride, right? And Nick was like, I'm not going on that. Like, I don't like it. They yell at you, and they, like, they're like, get in the van, get in the van. And I don't like this new Transformers movie thing where it's all about this weird... Look, it's, we all war. know Michael... It was always a war, but it was a lot more fun back in the no, day. No, Michael Bay... <laughs> Transformers has always been, like, way more deep than you're giving it credit for. But also, Michael Bay's Transformers are terrible. Optimus Prime's mouth opens, whatever. But, <laughs> like... But, like... If you are like a cold, heartless person, if at the end of that ride when Optimus Prime like leans down and looks at you with his 3D face and he's like, your help, like, saved the world. Thanks, freedom fighters. If you're not liking that, then you're just like a terrible person and you have no like, childhood. extra militarization oh, of Transformers. Oh, no, it is, though. Like, and they, it's just a bit uh, over But they do me. shout, like, last time we went, they, like, shouted at you and they're like, get in. And this time they're all wearing, like, Christmas hats and they're all like, hey, guys, come on, like, That's get in the amazing. van. Like, Evac's waiting for you. And I was like, <laughs> so I come back outside and, and Nick's like, oh, my God. Like, guess what? And I was like, I'd seen him earlier on standing up when we went in the second time and was like, why is he ignoring me? Like, I'm trying to, oh, whatever, we're just going to go. It's like a five-minute queue. There's no one here. It's a Monday. And he's like, was it because, was I standing up? And I was like, were you standing up? And he's like, because guess what? And he's like sneakily taking this photo of Bendis and his kids (laughs) in front of, what was it, Bumblebee, I think. Yeah, yeah, they were taking, they were there. I love it. With the scary Transformers. You go talk to him. Well, what am He's I going to say? Kids. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I read a comic book you wrote. <laughs> like, what do you say to <laughs> I somebody don't when they're out on like their family vacation? No, I don't know if I would not be able to. I, w- I think I would almost have to just be like, dude, I wept. I wept in all new X-Men when That's fucking old, old, old Scott was sitting on that bed next to Gene. I wept. I love you. You're the best. I respect his hustle. I've read maybe 30 of his issues or something like that, but I don't have one that I was necessarily like... 
really connected to or anything. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have a point of conversation. If it was somebody different, yeah, but I also, might have struck like, up a conversation. I do have a thing where I'm like, you know, if you go up and speak to someone when they're with their kids, you could forever be known as that guy that Bendis does a tweet about where he's like, oh, I'm just out with my kids trying to have a nice time. <laughs> like, oh, and yeah. some guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, you made a comic. I don't even really like it. Like, here's my comic. Like, I know you were thinking about giving him one of those flyers. I didn't. For our comic, but you did it. But I don't, yeah. I, no, don't talk to I, I, was, I did think if I saw him, that I like, Miles, like, is a big character for me. So I know, like, that's why I was thinking if he was still there, you could say hi. But so the way I saw him is he's walking out of the gift shop and I hear somebody go like, oh, like some weird, <laughs> goofy voice. And I was I looked up and I was like, is that Bendis? I was like, vaguely Uncle Festery. <laughs> I was like, kind of walking goofily. I was like, I've always expected to see him in public. I always <laughs> knew one day I would. And then he's like walking over and I look at the kids and I was like, yep, yep. Those are the kids. Yep, it's got to be him. That's Tabitha. That's yeah. Sabrina. Yeah. I didn't even tell you. I, me and Alex thought we saw Jim Lee with his family at Disney. Jim Lee is like Christmas one of those tree. dudes who can go incognito. Yeah. Because Unless you follow him on Instagram. He's like, he's like my me. size. He's not very big. And like he's nor- normally wearing like a baseball cap. And he's not like a loud dude whose voice you would necessarily recognize when he goes walking out of the gift shop or whatever he's no, doing. No, but we were, we were taking selfies by the like, they have this like giant Christmas tree or whatever when we were like on the way out. And I definitely like, I was like, oh, is that Jim Lee? Oh, here's my sneaky And Alex thought. was like, oh, I think maybe it was. Maybe, like, DC is getting Bendis, and that's why he was in town. No, man, it's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's no. what's happening. That's yeah. my little conspiracy theory well, I made I... up. Because, you know, Marvel Studios, they don't want to work with the Brain Trust anymore. That's over. Yeah, so I... why would he be here with the whole family? Be- why does he? Oh, he lives in here... Portland, right? Yeah. Because yeah. he's here all the time for movie stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Stuff. Yeah. But come on, I like my conspiracy theory. Yeah, you're yeah. terrible no, Scarlet, Scarlet uh, is going to be an HBO show. Oh, oh really? that's definitely why he's here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the inside info. Uh, all the inside info. Uh, so, I think that we should talk about the things you guys make. Although, uh, we've we've gotten your secret origin, Rosie. But we, we how did you come to making things, my friend? I think I just always made them. Just as it just like <laughs> straight out the womb. Just no, like, no. But you were saying like you said from when you were like what like four or something you wanted to be a cartoonist. Yeah, I mean, I was just always drawing cartoons, and then. When I got to high school, I learned what zines were, and I started making zines. And that got me into college. And then in college, I self-defined, and my senior thesis was a zine. And then I worked a bunch of shitty jobs in my 20s, and I was like, why am I not making comics and zines? And then in Pittsburgh, where I was living at the time, I, I learned about the mini-comics scene there. And I was like, okay, I, I got some of these web comics I started doing. I could just, like, print them up, you know, some black and white stuff. And then I was like, oh, it's kind of fun printing these things up. I was like, maybe I can print out more. And then I was like, maybe I can print up a bunch of these in a year. And then I was like, maybe I'll print up one a month. And then, you know, I did a bunch of shows. And you know how it is at yep. first. Nobody cares. And you barely even care sometimes. And, you know. And then I just kept doing it. And I didn't stop doing it. But it was kind of just a natural extension of what I always did. So it's not too mm-hmm. not too different. Stay, stay the course. Stay the course. Yeah. <laughs> Ten-year plan. Ten-year plan. Ten-year plan. 30-year plan. 30, 30, so, lifelong plan. Lifelong yeah. plan. No bigs. No bigs. No bigs. Uh, how did you get into the actual act of making comics then? Um, what was the transition between teaching comics and uh, poetry and actually like... I think like when I was younger, I always wanted to make comics, but I'm terrible at art. And when I was young... Even though I grew up post the 80s, like, writers becoming the big thing in comics thing, comics seemed like such a visual medium that I just assumed you couldn't make comics if you didn't draw. Oh, I definitely thought that as a kid. And also as well, like, when you think about even now, like, webcomics and stuff, I found it way harder to get my stuff out there because I can't make a webcomic alone. It certainly helps. Yeah, you know, 
And it's, I could have, I, I used to be really into art and then like I got sick, I got epilepsy when I was like 16 and that like threw back any kind of, mm. it took me like two years to like get back on my feet and I just focused on writing stuff. But I'd always sort of made comics and I made zines. Like when I was in London, I was really into like the punk scene and stuff and like the hardcore scene and me and my friend Alex would always make little things and I used to make little like film review zines and stuff like that because that was like my big thing when I was a kid. And then yeah, and then me and, like my friend Alex, who's like my main collaborator, until I met these guys, um, and she still is now. But like we just started making comics together, like for ourselves, and then we started realizing that they were pretty good, and we had this big long plan about how we were gonna like make all this content and then like launch a website. And we were just lazy and we would just like stay in bed all day and just make comics that we liked and we never did anything with them. Um, it's good to have the plan because if you didn't have the plan, you may have not been making the comics. the comics at all. And we, between us, have like a lot of comics. So now Ten we're like, plan. well, and now we, we submit stuff to anthologies and stuff. Like we submitted to like a couple of different anthologies that will hopefully get accepted and stuff for next year. So we're trying to make that move in it. But also just work. I worked in um, Orbital Comics in London and that made me realise that there's, like, a bunch of different ways to make comics. Mm. Like, I'd been very heavily always into either indie comics or mainstream comics. And even though I made zines, there was not really a zine scene in London. Like, mm. you would think there is, but there's not. There's, like, an amazing feminist zine library where I spent a lot of time. But, like, there's not zine shows and yeah. stuff like that like there is here. Um Oh, not as many, anyway. Or that well, that's why you moved here, right? You were like, I'm yeah. going to move for the zines. <laughs> yeah. For the zine! I was like, I'll move to another continent for the zines. It's a land full of photocopiers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though people It here, is, though. They're in, like, yeah, every supermarket Yeah, but still. people here make, like, digital zines, which just yeah. is so, like, wild to me, because that's not a thing in England, as far as I know, from the people that I know. It's always You mean, still, like, like, a PDF? No, I just mean, like, making, like, arranging things on a computer and printing oh, it yeah, off. Oh, yeah, like, making it digitally. It's, what, the, it's like a big... Yeah. In England, it's... I was... You know, we were still, like, going to copy shops or doing it at home, like, mm. putting the stuff on them in that kind of real old punk mm. style or whatever. You know, Dave, one of the casualties of you being the host of the show is you don't necessarily... I don't... Ne the casualty for me is I don't necessarily get to hear about you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you may have talked about it on previous episodes, but yeah. would you mind no, yeah, telling sure. us? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. What do you want to know? Just well, the, like yeah, how, how did got... you? Yeah, how did you dig into what you do? I started making comics um, uh, seriously in high school. Uh, one of my friends and I kind of partnered together, and we put together like a two-person anthology called "And This Is the Worst Name Ever." That's high school, of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> childish delusions of grandeur and superiority. Whew. Amazing, amazing. What's the acronym on that? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Too long. Seed dog as. Sadogas. Sadogas. <laughs> yeah, man. so I, I worked in a comic book store in, in high school. and so Which we, one? Can you name drop? Yeah, uh, I worked in two. Uh, I worked in, when I was in high school, I worked at Heroes and Villains. Mm -hmm. And then in, after college uh, and a little bit during college, I was working at Fantasy Comics. Right, so you're in the Phoenix area. Do yeah. Dr. Fantasy, isn't it? No, no, that's. Fantasy's in. They're both in Tucson. Um oh. My yeah, man. yeah, you're you're almost you. That was I was like, motherfucker, you know shops in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my you? Arizona buddy. Shout out to Jesse James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to my friends at Doctor Fantasies. Mm -hmm. He loves Arizona. It's like his favorite place in the whole. Is world. it really? They, I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of buddies down there. It's my favorite convention to do. Mm -hmm. really yeah, cool. they love you too. Shout we probably to have a bunch of Joe Schmidt. Uh, we pro probably have a bunch of fucking mutual friends. Do you know Eric Mengel and Tom Healy or? Nope. 
Well, <laughs> there's, I'm sure that there's more people that we know. No, because my... the the thing is, like the Arizona comic scene is two cities. It's fucking Phoenix and Tucson. Yeah, yeah. And is. most of the people from Tucson have left, so it's basically just the Phoenix area that has like people that yeah, make the, stuff. Still. The Tucson scene is definitely a little bit smaller. Yeah. Shout out to Santino Arturo. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's like name dropping five minutes. It's like the people everyone like PayPal you two bucks to say yeah, their yeah, name on yeah. the podcast. Dude, pimp my URL, bro. Yeah. It's fun and organic way to bring I feel it up. Bad say my MySpace. Yeah. But shout out to Matt at Dr. Fantasies. So Matt's silly. a little confusing because he's used two last names, so sometimes I forget. Mm. Um, but he'll know because he actually like works at the shop proper. But no, Phoenix is a fantastic comics town. I love it. I almost moved there instead of Los Angeles area because I live in Long Beach. When I moved out here about four years ago because it was such a good comics town. If they didn't have such a fucked up political landscape, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool people there, and there's a lot of great shops that have come and gone, too, and yeah. people are still around. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, I started with that, and then I made a couple OGNs. I made one called Horrible Little People, which is a kind of like uh, Seinfeld meets Where the Wild Things Are. It's about a bunch of diminutive uh, little teenagers who kind of are stuck in mid-20-something malaise. Uh, who m- mature physically with their emotional life. So they're like, people in the universe are basically small children with adult heads until they become mature, mature, and then they start growing physically because of that. That's cool. uh, which makes no sense when you explain it out loud. But uh, What comics really do if you take time to explain them out right, loud. Right, right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that kind of what's fun about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and that book actually uh, was super cool because we got pull quotes from, like, everybody. Like, I just sent it to every human being that was on my face <laughs> at the time. And so, like, there's pull quotes on the back from, like, Rick Remender, Dan Hip, Jeffrey Brown, Amazing. David Lloyd. How um, did you send it to him on MySpace? Because if I'm remembering the messaging system correctly, you couldn't just send a picture, could you? No, no. Basically, it was like, hey, can I send you stuff? Hey, can I send you stuff? So would hey, you, yeah, can I send yeah. you did stuff? you email them, like, and a two-megabyte attachment? Because that's, like, <laughs> Gmail's limit at the time. I was sending a you send it file. Oh, oh, amazing. Yeah, wow. It was awful. But we got them pull quotes, dope. <laughs> exactly. No, those pull quotes are dope. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and I have a fucking, like, pull quote from uh, Gene Colan, who's, like, one of my idols, <laughs> who's, amazing. like, super oh, I dead got a, now. I got a good Gene story. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Fuck yeah, I do. Okay. So, do you remember when Marvel did their 9-11 book? Oh, my God. Yeah. Heroes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, I was in college at the time. My sister lives in Manhattan. And... I found out that they were doing this Heroes Gallery exhibition and so many classic artists that worked on this book and then some who didn't even work on the book were going to be there. And I was like, this is wonderful. I'd love to meet Neil Adams. He was in the book. Maybe he'll go to this thing. <laughs> talk about the expanding Earth theory or shrinking Earth theory. Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever Neil wants to talk about. I'm into Buck yeah. your hair, preferably. You, you but, were like, oh, my God, I love it wasn't, your hair. Yeah, me too. That was like my big thing but, when I was going. No, but you weren't sorry. just, you didn't just, it was like, it wasn't like, oh, I'd love to meet Neil Adams. It was like, that was like your reason for going. That like, was you wanted reason, to yes. meet I Neil did, Adams, like desperately. I did, but I knew Joey Q was going to be there. Oh. I knew Billy J was going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I heard that Gene was going to be there. And I was like, well, you know, I got this Captain America essential printing, and I love Falcon. And I was like, I'll bring it to him. It was like the dumbest, oh my like, gosh, I new idea. I was like, I'll get Gene Colan to sign my... Captain America essential black and white reprint <laughs> of the first Falcon appearance. So, the problem is, 
this is actually just turns out to be an industry event and I'm the only sucker who was not an industry person that shows up and I'm this weird kid walking around with a stack of books looking for classic artists to sign it but this is 2001 it's not easy to go on the internet and find pictures of people so you know what they look like mm-hmm. I didn't know what anybody looked like so I just went around asking people <laughs> if they knew where Neil Adams was and asking people where other people were and I brought my sister there and she doesn't give a fuck about this stuff and she's getting smashed and like like trying to talk up Bill Jemis to be like this is my brother <laughs> You should give him a job. <laughs> and so eventually somebody points me in the direction of Gene. I'm like, great. I can get him to sign my m- middle of the essentials book where like, Falcon first appears. And I present it to him and I'm like, hey, Gene, like, I'm a big fan of your work. I was wondering, would you mind signing this? Like, The Falcon, he's such a rad character. I think it's so cool that you're, like, you were a co-creator of the first African-American superhero. Like, I'd love it if you could sign this, please. And he's like, I co-created him? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He was like, huh. Well, I guess if you say so, I don't remember. And, that was, and he just signs it and walks around. I was like, wow. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's just a throwaway in your career. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that era of comics where, like, you were creating stuff because it was just, like, your job. Like, it yeah. was just, like, you're just doing it. And, yeah. and then to the point where, like, people idolize that stuff and it becomes this cultural touchstones. And to you, it was just, like, another thing that you were doing. Yeah. It's incredible. He was like, what the shit? Like, I just thought I'd get some free drinks at the bar from this event. And like, what? I was at San Diego uh, forever ago now. It was back when Gene was still alive. And I was standing there in line waiting to talk to him. And this girl dressed as Clea is right in front of me. There's like, Did no. he co-create her too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was some old neckbeard guy, Clea, me. Old neckbeard guy gets a bunch of books signed. And this is when Gene's health was, like, really going. And mm-hmm. I think he had glaucoma in one eye, so he was almost blind. And he basically, I think he was, like, charging for signatures at this point. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. he's on his way out. Um, so the guy... And as you reminded me recently, didn't his wife throw him down the stairs? Uh, I, I feel like that might... <laughs> I'm a little nervous just, that that's not true. He's just trying to pay some medical bills. But that is... No, it I was do, before I, that happened. I do my, remember they had some problems. My and, recollection yeah. is that post this interaction, maybe like two or three years after this, his <sighs> wife, he discovered his wife and either his stepson or somebody else, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were colluding to sell his original artwork yeah. like, and basically so stealing money from him. Mm-hmm. So and he weird. caught them and his wife yeah. was super pissed and shoved him and he fell down a flight of stairs and like yeah. almost died. That was like basically. pretty much it after that. It was I basically, like a year or two after yeah. that if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. Um, super fucking bummer. Yeah. Um, but so this guy, but the guy's being a dick and he's like, well, I bought three signatures. Can't I get one for free on the house yeah. or some oh. shit like that? It was super shitty. Oh, the con hagglers. Yeah. yeah no yeah. matter what they do, they just have to haggle with you. And if you give them a dollar off, they'll get it. But they just have to haggle. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate it. So that guy leaves. Clea gets up to him and she gives him this extremely emotional, you know, uh... I don't now. I don't remember exactly the details of it, but it was basically like yeah. I have a really fucked up past. Clea helped me get through this. That's cool. If it was, I don't remember if it was abuse or you know but so something like, it, like meant, that. It was like a touchstone in yeah. Her life. My boyfriend yeah. was a magician and he was a jerk. <laughs> just like was taking advantage of people of color all over the place, and it made me really sick. Yeah, to my yeah, yeah, yeah. He had this really ancient woman teaching yeah. him how to do magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh come on, let's not reference that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, don't reference right? the movie. Come on, come it's on. Such an old world. Look, if you're doing a Clea cosplay. You are a fan because that's a deep cut. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, and also that was 
like five years ago. So that was even more deep cut than yeah, now. Yeah. Because now, like, let's be real, Wikipedia, the internet, it makes all that stuff infinitely more accessible. Yeah. Which is not to sh- talk shit about anybody who cosplays as Clea, because no, that's no, fucking of awesome. Not. But five to ten years ago, that shit was even harder. Yeah, yeah that's and like the, really like you've, you've read the comics. Yeah. And like, another stepping it up, too, is you know what? If I remember right, Clea's costume is not all that extravagant she's just got white hair and like a purple leotard right it's like, but so she's doing that out of passion not because yeah. of some crazy thing that everyone's going to stop and take yeah, pictures of yeah she loves the character yeah. yeah so she has this really meaningful interaction and, and, and he you could see that he like it affected him and he was like really oh fuck like the, the. yeah and then I got up there and I'm like hey uh, I just want to let you know that and I it was, it was it was almost bullshit because she like out emotioned me because <laughs> I was gonna be like hey well I did I was like hi my name is Dave you gave me a quote for my book and he was like oh, I don't remember that I'm like, oh, <laughs> was, was Gene on MySpace he no I tracked him down through his website he oh, was okay. doing, he had an open commission list you're very ambitious aren't you yeah I am yeah. Uh, so his <laughs> but I had to deal with his. I don't know if it was his... I had to deal with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a female name. I'm assuming it's his wife who threw him down the stairs. <laughs> but I had to deal with her, and I, she was she was super confused. She was like, why are you sending me this PDF? And I was like, Adrian well... Adrian or something like that? That sounds maybe right. right. Someone in A, I feel like. I don't, I don't know. Uh, she was like, why are you sending me this PDF? And I was like, oh, I'm you know, trying to see if Jean might be willing to read the book and maybe give a poll quote. Um, you know, If not, that's completely fine. And she's like... I showed it to him. He doesn't want to read the whole book. And I was like, okay, well, uh, could I get a pull quote from him? Like, does he have any impressions about the the story or anything? And she's like... The title? Or? Yeah, yeah. She was like, well, he thinks the art is whimsical and powerful. That's his pull quote. And I was like, <laughs> You're, that's dope! A, yeah, like, dope. that's like the that's best pull really quote good. ever. Yeah, yeah. dope. Uh, <laughs> so I get up there and I'm like, you know, Gene, I'm a huge fan. You give me this pull quote for my book. It, I know this is cheesy, but it means a lot to me because uh, when my sister ran away, like Tomb of Dracula is the thing that got me through it. Like I read it yeah. every day. Like I fucking, I love the book. Your, you know, your Caroscuro is amazing. Like I love your sense of narrative pacing. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, mm-hmm. You could just see like the Clea <laughs> girl got all of his emotion. He just couldn't. He's fucking like 90 years old. He just doesn't have it in him. He's like, uh-huh. All right, I've done my emotion for the day. Yeah. Thanks, kid. I'm glad. Yeah. All right, fine. Comics. Yeah, yeah, you're emotional. Yeah. Are you buying something? Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's my Gene Colon story. That's very good. Um, I love Gene Colon. Rest in peace. Pour one out yeah. for, the, for the Genester. Not really, though, because there's a carpet in here. Yeah. Um, mm, word. word for Gene. Let's, uh, let's talk about your books. Let's talk about the comics. And designs. We have to. Yes, we have to. <laughs> Self-promotion. Also, we should say uh, your guy's new book, uh, oh, Cougar yeah. and Cub, is in previews now, and you, everyone should pre-order it. <laughs> uh, don't laugh, don't laugh, motherfucker. This is serious business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, no. I know. It's just, it's just been a long process. It's been a long couple of weeks as well. Is it gonna? Can I? What should I? Do, should I? I'll let you say what you think is appropriate. Because at this point, I'll just say anything. <laughs> I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> no, okay, the book is in previews at the moment. The FOC was yesterday. For, also, first, for our first yeah, issue. For and our also, issue. let's just set the stage just in case people who listen to this don't know the ins and outs of comic book industry. Previews is the magazine that Diamond uses to distribute mm. comics. All comics that are bought in stores are distributed through Diamond, and previews is the only way to get them. Yeah. And the only way to support indie comics is to pre-order comics through the catalog. Right. And the you thing can't, is, you, basically, but you the can't. Thing, yeah, but you don't have to have the comic. Like the the fact that it's uh, the fact that it's in that magazine means you can go into a store and just ask for but it by name. That, if you that's want. what I mean. Yeah, yeah exactly. You have to go to comic book stores and say, 
hey, I want to support Cougar and Cub, or I want to support Motro, or I want to support yeah. uh, fuck it, the new volume of Copra. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah have, exactly. you have to let them know, and then they will or, basically yeah. order it in, in advance of printing. <laughs> And if you don't pre-order it, they won't print them. It's really hard for me because, like, any time anyone starts like mentioning Diamond, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like, I can talk about how I can talk about the Zarek market for like 50 million years, and like every time when I hear people like laying it out like that, I'm just like, how did it get this way, man? Like, I know the no, history of how yeah, it got this yeah. way, but I'm like, oh my god, like, is this really? Like, I worked in comics retail now, so I know, ev- I understand even more how like unbelievably yeah, so messed fucked up. up and also like illegal like I just have to say yeah. that like I have worked in a lot of different industries and any other company who were like Diamond would be called a monopoly and would actually be like shut down but you know oh, yeah. it's like the nature of comics but yeah so Cougar and Cub is in that um, book now yeah can, wait, so can, if, should if we talk about what we should talk about what it's about yes we will I was going to say can we get our producer in on this I mean Aristotle you work in a comic shop can you talk about your Diamond feelings <laughs> exactly. It's the perfect summation yeah. of all the feelings. Yeah. Fuck Diamond. It's, yeah. It's very fuck eloquent. Diamond. Yeah. Man. Okay. Like, but, let's, but, yeah. but right now, it's the necessary evil, and we want to get your guys' book out to sure. many people. Yeah, of course. Thank you very Thank much, you. Too. And also, as well, like, like you say, it's there. At the moment, it's what gives comics to us. So, yeah. you know, it's like the. It's like, what is it? Like a, a kind of like generous but evil benefactor. It's like we need it because we want the comics. It's the only place yeah. they can come from. Yeah, we're just, I'm maybe a little bit more down on it than ever because this process has been very difficult with this book. Which is very funny because me and you, one, like, one of the only arguments we ever had was when we got like drunk in Maine and we were like, I was like, the direct market's terrible. And you were like, I think there's like a good side to the direct market. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And now you're like, fuck the direct market. Fuck Diamond. Fuck pre orders. <laughs> like, comics are terrible. And I'm like, it only took you 34 years to realize this. But yeah, it's been tough for us. But Cougar oh, yeah, and Cub, what's it? <laughs> Rosie and I are married. So oh, yeah. like, why are they vacationing in Maine? Do they just go on vacation together when they're not writing comics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are married. But, which we met in my comic shop as well. So Shout out to Orbital Comics. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. so cute. Nick, was, Nick came to do a signing, and we just were friends then. And then yeah, we, needed, in- we needed more hot bodies in the signing, because it was like <laughs> there were like three people that showed up to our... Yeah. Holy fucked signing. No, but it's but Tom. So Tom, who works at Orbital, who's absolutely amazing. Like the staff at Orbital are rad. They're like my family. And Tom was like a huge fan of Holy Fuck. And um, and and then you guys used a pull quote from him that he did. We used to do staff picks. Uh, and you used the pull quote right on yes the second trade. Tom is quoted on the back of Holy Fuck. Yeah, which is like so rad, and it says like Tom from Orbital Comics and stuff. Yeah. And um, and so Tom told me to read the books. Because he was saying they were super good. And then Tom and uh, a guy who used to work at the shop called Chris, they sort of ended up arranging this signing. And you guys came. I met you and Daniel, and we all got yeah. on super well. We stayed friends, and then, yeah, like, blah, 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 got married. Blah, blah, married, blah, blah, mean, yeah. blah, blah, diamond <laughs> arguments, blah, blah, and <laughs> cub. Yeah. And, yeah, so we, we uh, Daniel and Nick were writing this book. They yeah. We making we, this book. We've been Daniel's working on the book the artist, for a while. Yes, Daniel Dan- Rudamassa. Thank you. He's amazing. He is, he's very good at Who what he does. Who was the artist on your first YouTube? Yeah, we did Holy Fuck and Holy Fucked yeah. together. And, uh, and, and then the third one would be Holy Fucked. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a debate. I don't want to make a third one, but if we did, I was thinking maybe Holy Fuckery. Mm. That's a good, I like that. That's a good London one. I word. want it to go like alphabetical no matter what we do. So you, you rack them one, mm-hmm. two, three in order. But it's so Holy Fucking. 
Holy oh. fuckers feels like two yeah. meet the fuckers or something. If you put like holy fucking god, it's probably like two on the nose. Oh, yeah, like definitely. that might be the line where Christians stop coming up to cons and going, I'm Christian, but I don't find this offensive. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens a lot. What's holy fuck about actually now? Because I just oh, said you that. You just want me to do the pitch. I'm just saying, you? just do it quickly. I've heard it a million times. Because people need to know what the book's about and then they might buy it. This nun, Sister Maria, she's very devout. And she's <laughs> tested in her faith. When she teams up with Jesus and Satan to fight this horde of mythological deities, they want to be worshipped again, but they want to use fear tactics to do it. And Maria is not having it. Jesus and Satan don't really care, but they may have been knocking boots in the past. And going on this adventure is a chance for them to rekindle their romance. Oh, shit. I'm going to spoil the end of the first volume for you. They win. And in our second volume, everybody's living happily ever after. Maria's running a homeless shelter. Jesus and Satan got a house together. Satan may or may not have a bun in the oven. But Hercules has found out what happened to his fellow deities in the first volume, and he's fucking pissed. And now he wants to murder Jesus. Yeah. Shit, bro. Yeah. So it's it's like one of the, I remember when I first read that book, like when Tom gave it to me. Tom has like pretty much impeccable taste in everything and was like my best bud for a long time that I was at the shop. So I was like, this is one of those books that seems like it should be super offensive, but actually it's not. And it's like a really, really sweet, nice book. And I was very surprised and and I was happy that it was like that. And I noticed from when we were doing con together, like at LA, that's like the general response that people have as well to the book. So, they yeah. are. Uh, I've been very appreciative of their responses. Very good. Yeah. And yeah. so then you, so you wrote it, and Daniel. Yeah, drew yeah, it. yeah. But it was very collaborative. We we plotted everything together, and you know we exchange uh, duties depending on the circumstance. <laughs> 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 and and then you decided to make another book together. Yeah. So we decided we're going to make. So Daniel, we're done with Holy Fuck, and Daniel's like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "You know, I had this idea the other day. I was like, what if Batman slept with Robin?'" They've been like pushing that as like a subtext in those books for a million years anyway. Oh, definitely. So, also, also, Frederick Wortham. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And I was just like, that's the classic, like, let's just do a story where we explore what happens after they sleep with each other, right? Does it, Now, I, I, granted, I don't want Batman to actually, like, sleep with this 12-year-old ward. So, I'm like, these would be a superhero duo, but the sidekick will be, like, 18. He's on the cusp of graduating from the sidekick academy. And like you know, they're just they're they're just out on the prowl one night. It's boring, and they start talking about relationships when they're just sitting around, got nothing to do, and they kiss, and it feels good. So they go for it, and they have a one night stand, which is what the book was going to be called originally. And the end of the story is nobody wanted that book. We pitched it to everybody and their brother. <laughs> I'm sure some people's brothers got the email by mistake. <laughs> how willy nilly I was sending that out, and it was like a Batman and, and Robin analogs that we were doing with that book, and. Uh, and it just didn't click for people. And eventually, we brought it to Action Lab. And because we were like, you know, these guys, uh, maybe they'll be interested. We didn't want to, like, you know, make them feel like we were over and doing it with them. But, like, we'll give it a shot. And for them, it was an interesting experience because this was the most feedback we got from anybody on this book. And we realized that, I hate to say this, but we realized that people might actually get really hung up on the fact that this was a gay relationship. And I was not crazy about the fact that this was even going to be an issue because this was just – I was like, this could just be a cool story to tell. But the problem I realized is that people were going to get hung up on that because it was so much like Batman and Robin. All they were seeing was Batman and Robin. So they weren't even seeing new characters yeah. there. So it's literally – they would put out a book that has Jesus and Satan being gay but not a book where Batman and Robin analogs could be gay. 
was basically the problem people were having. It. it wasn't that they wouldn't have done it. it. It was just that they weren't comfortable doing it in the way that we wanted yeah, to it do was, it. Yeah, it would have that been focusing, a different book, right? It would have been a very different book. And we weren't comfortable with the changes they wanted to make. And we were like, look, you know what? Nobody has gotten back to us about this book except for them. And when they did get back to us, they wanted to change a lot of things that we weren't comfortable changing about the book because we felt it would have not been the direction we wanted to take. It wouldn't have been as character-focused as we wanted to be. I'm sure I wasn't as eloquent saying all that stuff as I could have been a few minutes ago, but I'm just doing my best to... Yeah, 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 no, totally. <laughs> I'm still... You know, I don't... I, st- I do my best to navigate these things in my mind, but sometimes the words come out weird. But anyway, it actually turned out to be really great because it inspired Daniel to think, well, what if these characters didn't look like Batman and Robin? What kind of situation... What kind of situation would we be in? And I was like, you know, that's really exciting. What if we establish a different kind of relationship between them? Something that maybe we've seen even less than an older male superhero and a younger male superhero, which was how we ended up with Cougar and Cub, where the question is still essentially the same. What if a superhero slept with their sidekick? What would happen? But we were like, let's make it an older woman. Yeah, there's the joke in there that she's a cougar or whatever, so it plays into the pun well. But actually, can you think of a superhero pairing that's an older female superhero with a young young male sidekick? No. No. Let alone a, a woman of color. Yeah. And also, can you really think of that many older female superheroes? Because they never age Almost female none. superheroes. Yeah, so I was actually really excited. I was even more excited to explore that idea. We had just made a pitch for our original One Night Stand version. And I was like, now, you know, I'm seeing this whole world they could be living in. That Yeah, it's got some similarities to Batman and Robin. It's definitely got an inspiration from those classic Golden Age kind of superheroes. But we're, we're getting an opportunity to do something here that people may have not seen before. And then the cool thing, it ends up being with Cougar. It's not like we're, it's not like we're we were afraid to tell a gay story. Because Cougar herself is, I guess, bisexual, would that be the best way to say it? Yeah, she's queer. Like, that was, I yeah. added that into the canon of... But, but you know what? I feel like she's, I would like to think, at least, that she's been written in such a way that it's not a leap to think no, no, it that wasn't. this is a it woman wasn't. who is, you know, who's got a lot of stuff going on. She's not, like, stuck in, in one Let me put it this way. When I wrote those, like, when I wrote the backups for it which Daniel, like, suggested, and then these guys asked me to do, which was amazing. But, yeah, that was, like, I never, for a minute, was like, oh, maybe they wouldn't be cool about me, you know, making some of her sidekicks, like, females or, like, giving her girlfriends. So that was never, like, a problem. Like, I never was thinking about it. No, and that's what's exciting about collaboration is when somebody brings something to the table that it's like, you you didn't realize that was what you were hoping to do until you see it, and you'd be like, man, that's just, like yes that's it like this is this feels right you know Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's kind of the situation we ended up with in the story which is a five issue exploration maybe five issues we don't know how the fuck the final product's gonna be at this point yeah it's 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 up in the air five issues OGN one issue never see any other no yeah I print one (laughs) copy through create space and give it to somebody's grandma I don't know what's gonna happen with this book but no but hopefully the first issue's out on January 11th yes knock on meltdown wooden table you know and um and yeah, and like I, the thing that like really pulled me towards the book when they were telling me about it was like this idea of essentially it being like I came at it from a different angle, which was like I love the idea of it being like just a workplace like sitcom about how you shouldn't sleep with people that you work with, but they just happen to be superheroes, mm-hmm. and it works like that like really well. And then you know what would happen when the rogues gallery finds out, and that's it. That's the book. Yeah, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. The thing that I responded to because you guys were generous enough to give me the PDF of the first issue. Um, the thing that I responded to it the most was the actual like nuts and bolts language of comics stuff that you mm-hmm. do just in terms mm-hmm. of mimicking the way Silver Age comics in the main the main story Silver Age comics yeah. uh, specifically like I mean I don't know if this is what you were literally going for but I got a lot of like Dick Sprang Batman era oh yeah stuff. that's my fave yeah, that, and yeah. that's 100% like the stuff that you were looking oh, at when, I mean, when Daniel and I were designing the book 
we were like, what should we do? What should we do? I was like, man, let's just go with that spraying style. Like that very like, you know, bouncy, jumping around on rooftops, like smiling, punching people. And like Daniel's vibe. like, um, the way that he draws in the onomatopoeia mm-hmm. works so well. Like and the sound also, effects. Also the thing it. that was so convincing to me was I, I personally like I like the Dick Spring Batman stuff, but I love Mort Weisinger Superman shit mm-hmm. like Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, and Lois Lane. That's like my business. Yeah. And the thing I love so much about that era of comics is the way that people would hyper compress and then decompress using captions. Yeah. So yeah. it would be like, it, and the bad version of this is meanwhile across town. Yeah. Which of is course. like a right. fucking stupid like extra comics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trope where people don't understand the like language of comics and how yeah. you can use words and pictures to contract a moment, as opposed to. Um, the way that it actually worked in those comics where the caption would be something like, and then Aquaman fretted for six nights, tossing and turning in his bed while attempting to figure out how to save the sea urchins of the Lower East Side. <laughs> exactly, And exactly. it's one image of him, like, in a bed, like, <clears throat> So yeah. you get a whole, like, you understand really how... Really fantastical far- exposition, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was executed very well in Thank you. Uh, the book because it do- it feels like the best possible execution of that in that it's kind of what Tarantino does, right? Like, Tarantino takes cultural institutions and genre tropes and remixes them into something hopefully new uh, while still the audience is obviously aware of what's happening. It's not like, you know, something out in left field or it's not just a fucking shitty Xerox of, like, check it out, I really wanted to write 1960s Batman, but I don't (laughs) have the rights to write 1960s Batman, so I just did this instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's this, you know, character... The the Bat Boy. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know. No, I did. I thought that as well. And, like, it was... When you guys asked me to write the backups, like, yeah. it was super easy for me to get the vibe that you were going for, you You know? understood it instinctively, which was really great, because I've never collaborated with a writer in the way that we've written two completely different sections. It's always been us working on scripts together. Yeah. But Rosie... I mean, we're, we're exchanging the work we're doing on it as we go... But it's Rosie writing those backups herself, and then I'm kind of coming in and being like, oh, I like this. Like, you know, like, this is really cool, blah, blah, Like, you know, just, like, kind of, like, tossing in some thoughts to somebody who's been with the characters for a while or whatever. But she just got it right away, and she ran with it. And it's really cool because she's doing – each issue comes with a different era of comics in the mm-hmm. backup. Yeah. And, and each one, she's – I don't know how she does it. I guess maybe you're just really well-read or you're just yeah, really I read smart. Yeah, I just love comics. But you know what? <laughs> I read a lot of comics. You killed it because every time – you do that era's version of that kind of narration. So the Golden Age one has that. The, you know, the Romance one has that era's kind of, you know, like style yeah. in there. Like it's re- it's really fun. I get to be like a fan of my book. <laughs> going there and reading her backups. No, but, it's really a treat. Because well, like so in one of the later issues, is it like three? No, or is which it one? Five. You the where Daniel did the double page spread. That's the all the different eras. Of oh, oh, in in Cougar and Cub, in Cougar and Cub number four. Yeah, who gives a fuck if it's a spoiler? Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. You don't even have. To, it's not even a spoiler. Oh, you can just describe okay. the page. There's a double page spread that that <laughs> I was I was channeling my inner Morrison, and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, yeah, we're doing this modern Silver Age twist with the way that we're portraying the characters. But I was like, what if she's existed from 1938 until now? What would her history look yeah, like? If she's like her own legacy character. Right. Like this was something, She is the whole character. Right, right. She's, yeah. So we put this in. Uh, this was just kind of like a throwaway gag in the book where we see her in every sort of decade of comics. And it's her and Cub. But we see that it's all different Cubs. And they're getting into shenanigans with the supervillains. And they're doing something of that.
that time in that era. And, and in Daniel that style. Ape, yeah, Daniel apes that. And this was something that was, the book was complete artistically, at least. I was still lettering it, but it was done when we approached Rosie about doing some backups with us. It's, it's books been going on You lettered the book? Yes. The letters are really nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, Nick letters and like, you, it does all the layouts and stuff. No, no, I mean, I don't do the layouts. I do the production. Oh, production. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I knew yeah, what you meant by layouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like the, yeah, like the post yeah. stuff. I don't normally credit myself for the lettering, but that's also because, because I Because lettering's not an art, right? No. Yeah, no, yeah. No, because no, letter- no, it's cool. No, it's cool. Lettering's respect, just not an art. Just respect my t-shirt that literally says comics letter. That was my t-shirt. I know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, no, I understand why you would. I, no. It's so funny that I'm giving you shit because I don't really credit no, myself when right? I letter either. No, you know what the thing is, Daniel and I, Daniel does all the sound effects in this book. And I was like, what kind of credit am I going to give myself that says, what do I say, art and SFX by Daniel Arudamasa? And then, like, story and dialogue? Like, it doesn't, there's no credit for just lettering the dialogue. Like, what do you, how do you put that down? Dialogue lettering? I wouldn't know what to put. So I just, yeah. we were like, fuck it, we'll just leave it off. Yeah, yeah. But, like. Yes, I'm a secret letterer. <laughs> you are. You do a lot. Secret you letter- letterer. <laughs> secret letterer. Yeah, yeah, that'll be like the name of your bio, like yeah. your autobiography in like 50 yeah. years when you're like, Nick Marino, the secret life of a comics book letterer. <laughs> I've lettered five books. <laughs> <laughs> Night letterer. And I hate it. <laughs> like, I was so happy when I got big enough that other people would letter my books. Yeah, you're, when, oh, you, when you Kirkman yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like, all right, I'm just waiting for I when to I be can done, just dude. pay somebody else to do it. Your letters look nice, nicer than mine, though. Mine you are, like, what? serviceable. But the thing is, I love, dude, I love hand lettering, lettering. But, like, that's what I'm, like, mostly into is, like, hand lettering stuff. But now that we're doing digital, like, I tried to, the first, the 50s backup, like, the backup from the first issue, originally we were like, oh, I'll, I'll hand letter it. And, um... And then we realized because of how small it was, because the layout is like each page is half a page, mm-hmm. we were like, there's no way that we can do this and make it look good. No. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'll get to do it at some point. But Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Look, it's a great, the doing, working on these backups together is a great opportunity for us to like help you find your lettering style. Yeah, and I would like, I should probably learn how to letter digitally anyway. I think it's a great tool for Because I love hand lettering. It so. really is. And also, it's so weird to say this, but it saves you so much money. Yeah, of course. Because it's that it's not expensive to hire a letterer. Not particularly. Not like cost prohibitive, like making a movie where you need like a right. fucking hundred yeah, yeah. or whatever. But like, just that added 500 to $2,000 on top of anything is just like, oh, yeah. fuck. I have to pay for all this printing. I have to pay the artists. And now I have to fucking pay a letterer. God <laughs> damn it. Also, for me, I do a lot of editorial shifting around and rewriting. And sometimes I don't even Always. have scripts. I spend too much time rewriting when I'm lettering. It's it's fucking terrible. This is why <laughs> I want to work with a letterer now. Because I'm like, you know what? Then I can just be done with it. I don't have to like be lettering. It's not like a year-long like process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm so slow. It's not. It's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really... I appreciate that you picked up on the tone that we were going for. It was readily evident to you and stuff. I showed the... The first issue had no captions in it originally when we did it. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally different book. And I showed it to my buddy, uh, Kelly Thompson, and she was like, that's good. But she was like... Who are these supervillains? You know, you don't like say their names or anything. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but I figured people can learn them as the issues go on. It'll be fun to reveal them. She's like, I guess. She's like, that's just not my style. And I was like, you know, and then I was like, yeah, Kelly, what does she know? Blah, 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 which Kelly like knows a lot. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I'm like cranky about it for like a day. And then I'm thinking about it as like a month goes past. I'm like, you know what? She's right. Like, it's dumb to not introduce everybody. And, and then I was like, and also maybe, of the era, that is like it how is. it would be. That's the thing. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe. If I really embrace 
this captioning. We could have a lot of fun with it. And then I went way too far. And I, no, I don't no, know. I think it's not. Because, I mean, I'm, I, I don't even know what the book would be without the caption mechanic. It's not the same book. No, I know. And, it's and, way more about the fucking... Yeah, which yeah. isn't the but that's not as well. That's not the point. Like it's that not, was what and that's the saying. thing. So this, it's actually became an incredible character development tool, and in a way, the narrator becomes its own character almost. Mm. Yeah, which is cool. Which is actually one of my favorite cartoon tropes when you see the narrator like in an episode, and you realize sure. that they're a real person or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that. Uh, it's almost like Kelly Thompson knows what the fuck she's doing. It's I know she, she knows, imagine? right? Isn't it yeah, weird isn't how she weird knows how it? she just knows stuff or whatever? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I loved it. I thought oh. that the, the thank you so much. Yeah, I hope that it sells fuckloads of copies. <laughs> I don't mean that to be I don't mean that to be condescending. I because of the conversation that we had before we started no, recording. I, I, I literally mean that. I hope that it, it does you. very well. No, I appreciate that. And right, really, right now, I'd say that our hope is of finding a good way to print. A graphic novel of it, yeah. whether it's a trade, whether it's an OGN, because it is technically like a complete story. It really is, and it is, you know, and and with like the backups, just put them as like a separate complete story. We can put and them. And it gives yeah. like a context, you know. It gives like a fun yeah. history, and like for people who are losers like me, you get to read like five different eras of comics. Oh, no, it's great! It's a lot of it's for people like us who love comics, but it's also like for anybody who just wants like a fun. Like, silly story. But, you know, the market is not very supportive of indie superheroes. Yeah, that's the big... No. <laughs> what? I know. Shocking no. news. And I think that that's, see, this that's is been a, difficult is, for us. You know, it's funny. This is actually a conversation I was literally having with someone on uh, the ride over here about... And, obviously, I f- feel like I know your perspective on it slightly, yeah. slightly different than yeah, mine just because of the book. It, yeah. yeah. For me... Uh, and there's some superhero-y stuff in Action Hospital, but, by and large, I don't want to make superhero comics precisely because there are and this is no ill will against anyone who does and no ill will against the ones that are being produced because i read a fuckload of them yeah of course but i just even as an individual i just don't want to have to be defined by that shit because it's Mm -hmm. so much of the industry it's Mm -hmm. almost like you know, you hear stories of, like, uh, you know, dudes in the 60s who or 50s, like, film directors who, like, couldn't get a movie and then got offered a Western. And they were like, yeah. well, I guess I yeah. have to do this shitty Western when I don't want to do this Western, but mm-hmm. I have to. Or, you know, there's, there's stories like that all the time where, and now zombie movies are in. And yeah. now we're going to, hey, fucking Timur Brookmeninoff, you couldn't get your last movie you wanted to get made, so you want to direct Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God, all right. I don't know. What do you do? You feel like the superhero genre is something that you see yourself pursuing in a larger context? Like, do you want to work for the big two? Is this something that you're like this specific story was something that you needed to tell, or is it a broader question? Like, why don't don't you? I don't. I think like the weird. I I totally agree with you. Like, I don't. I like my growing up in comics self is still like I I think it's weird how we're all almost like conditioned to see like writing for the big two as making it mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to shake that off mm-hmm. like so I, I go in between where half the time I'd be like oh yeah you know I'd love to write a book and then I think about it and I'm like all the stuff that goes on with superheroes the way that the industry is things with Diamond and stuff 
I'm always very tied to like my political and moral and social beliefs and stuff. And I really feel like a lot of what happens within superhero comics and the way that they're run and the way that they're created and the way that people who make them are treated and the editorial decisions that are made and stuff. I just don't know if that's even something I like really want to be a part of. Like it's it's a weird thing for me. Like, and I do think you're right about like the old Hollywood style thing of like being defined. It's like Bella Lugosi. Like he's like one of my all time faves, and he was so scared of being um, typecast after Dracula that he turned down playing Frankenstein and then spent and spent his whole life living in Boris Karloff's shadow because he did what he didn't want. Like he didn't want to be defined, and he ended up having becoming this like parody of himself because no one would give him any, Mm -hmm. you know, serious Mm -hmm. roles. And I do think like stuff like that, especially if you're like not you know, a white, straight guy, which is, like, the majority of people who really make it in superhero no, comics. No, 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 There are so I many. Know, right? We have, like, ones of people that <laughs> yeah. are not straight white guys, All, okay? All, like, ones, you know? Yeah. Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yeah. His Black Panther is, is so good. Also, this is the thing, is, like, you need to, for this is how comics are at the moment, is, like, if you want to be, like, a black person who writes comics or a black woman, you know, who gets put on a main title book, you have to have written, like, two New York Times bestsellers. But, you know, there's people who are getting hired to write books called stuff like The Adventures of Mr. Paper, who've, like, never written a comic before in their life, but they're given a comic off the... because they're just, like, a white dude who maybe, like, once made a card for a Cartoon Network show or something. Like, Mm -hmm. there's just all this stuff, these kind of inequalities and stuff that make it really hard for me to feel like I would be doing something good in comics... But we do spend a lot of our time working out, like, what comics we would want to write if we did write for the big two. (laughs) I'd never really considered it until I started talking to Rosie. Not writing at all, but, like, I've never been like, oh, I know what I'm going to do when you put me on to Man Thing or whatever. Really? Mm. I kind of don't believe that. You, like, you never were, like... really. You always wanted to, like, indie comics was your ultimate. No, no, no. I love superheroes, and it's very big. It's weird, because I... I almost I love superheroes and comics independently, and then I love superhero comics. If yeah, that makes totally. any sense. Yeah, and I think that uh, Cougar and Cub is kind of m- me working out a lot of those issues in a way because it, it channels my sort of love of like those like old Matt Groening cartoons and like underground comics and different things that I find very like titillating and like thought provoking and stuff. But then it's also got that sort of like schlockiness of superheroes and how they straddle that line between like fascism and like freedom fighters and like they're like they're sexy and they're cool and they're stupid and annoying you know and i kind of wanted to put that all together in cougar and cub and i I hope that when you read it you got a taste of that Mm -hmm. i don't know if that was in there you know it's hard to gauge that when you're so close to your own work you know Mm -hmm. um but i've never been somebody who was like well when you put me on x-men i'm gonna tell a story about how cyclops has a third nipple Mm -hmm. and his third nipple (laughs) can shoot light beams like Mm -hmm. you know it's not i just i just figured like if I was ever in a situation where I'd done enough work to write that stuff, that might be cool. But also, like, I've found that as I go through, if I step on, as I step on all the rungs of the comic book career ladder, which are still, I have a lot more rungs to go. Um, yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I realized that, you know, what you think about rung number 20 is way different when you're on rung 5 versus when you're on rung 12, for example. Yeah, Do you yeah. Know what I would yeah. absolutely agree with that. And like, when I was on rung 5, I was like, yeah, I'd love to write some big two comics. Like, that's real cool. Let me just put that on my five-year plan. Writing, you know, I don't know, whatever, like the Black Manta miniseries. Check. <laughs> you know, but then I realize as I get closer to it, like, there's a lot of stuff that in the way that that business works that I'm not crazy about. I honestly... You know, maybe I'm just down on it because Cougar and Cub's been a slog on the direct market side, but I'm getting really burned out on 
uh, publishing in general. And yeah, I'm like, well, God, I wish I was still just self-publishing. Comics publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I wish I was just self-publishing right now because, you know, effectively there's not much difference from the level I'm at in terms of indie comics and there is self-publishing except that, you know, with self-publishing I have all the control and I do have some investment on my side that I would have, that I wouldn't, you know, that I don't have right now, let's say. Mm-hmm. But what you gain is like, you know, being in comic shops is nice, but at the same time, like, it's also nice to just do exactly what I want with the book and make the same amount of money, well, which one, is when you're a writer, mostly breaking even. But it's one of those things as well where it's like you see, like the control thing, when someone gives you a chance to, like I'd never published a comic through a publisher. I'd only done like self-published, like mini comics and zines and stuff. And then like when these guys asked me, I was like, oh, that will be cool. You know, have a published comic, get some pro passes. You know, maybe someone will see the backups and like them, you know, I can I get to pitch to like heavy metal and stuff like that. Like that's all stuff I've done since I got this book. But at the same time, like having someone tell you you can't do something that you feel like is the right thing to do with a story that you're like passionate about yeah. is really hard. It's very and I, and I think that's yes. why like I think those problems are still so big and like so exaggerated in the big two. Like a lot of creators have been talking this week a lot about like. I think I, it was, like, specifically certain creators, but, like, in Marvel, they'd, they'd been, like, telling creators not to make characters queer, like, queer creators hmm. and stuff like that. And so, like, I think it was basically, I think it was, like... I'm Kate, not surprised because you it know It was what, Kate Leth. It was, like, I think she... I almost, think it was with Hellcat, and, and yeah. she was... They A lot of people were talking about it, and it seemed... She said she was only going to do her own stuff for a while. And that I seems to be the trend, is, like, look at, like, even people who have big hits, like Noelle with Lumberjanes, like, post-Lumberjanes... She she said she didn't really want to do any books with a comics publisher anymore. And I think that the diamond and the direct market model is, like, detrimental, not only to, like, Can retailers be. and fans and, like, people, and but, but to creators and not just, like, how you get your book out there, but also on how much work you have to do if you do get a successful book. Like, it's not a... Yeah. No one's... There's no HR in the direct market like big publishers probably have some HR guy somewhere but no one's really checking in with people and being like how are you doing when you're having to draw two issues in a month look at DC Rebirth yeah they so, had the whole double shipping thing where each they would have an issue every two weeks you don't even know who you're getting so on the art until the book shows they, up in the well, shop half the time they announce a creative team but they don't actually think about how much work goes into draw we both like this is why we always put Daniel first in anything we credit because we think that artist credit should always I think be first should be and most important because yes. obviously that's a big problem in comics but you look at like how, how can you expect an art, someone to draw two like 26 page books or whatever in you know a month and you want that to be like your flagship books like who's thinking that that is a good situation for any artist and then you're surprised when your books are coming out late or you're getting books that have a completely different creative team on them yeah it just doesn't doesn't seem as fun as I thought it would be. It's gonna be <laughs> lots of fun. I was like superheroes, we're punching things, we're having a good time. We got maybe they cry once in a show. Yeah, that was like what Daniel was like. Daniel was like, as long as like you got to think of something different for Cougar to punch in every backup, and that was like a fun thing. Like she like punches. I think in the first one she punches like a snake's egg. She like yeah. punches a guy through a door. Yeah, that yeah. one's great. There's like loads of different and, and she that, punches through his head. Yeah, right yeah, out I of the back. It. 
But I, I, I have fun with that. We get real wacky with that, like it's some fucking Looney Tunes style yeah. shit. It's very good. And Daniel's amazing at it. But, yes, he does. but again, it's it. like you said, those small, those things like writing Cougar and Cub was one of the funnest things ever. And it was one of the things that made us super close. We did have a great time. Yeah. And like, but the actual process of like publishing. <sighs> and one of the worst things about it, yeah, those things is like those decisions when people won't like trust you on something. And then you see, I can tell this story, right? I don't see why not. Okay, cool. So we, ha- I, we had this idea. Uh, action, oh, yeah. I think action it's fine. Lab. Look, it's just, it is what it is. It's no... Action Lab are notorious. That's our publisher. They're notorious for having this this mature imprint, which is what you guys' book came out of. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite comics of all time called Tomboy um, by Mia Goodwin, who is incredible and drew the first um, run of Princess. And that is about like a badass teen vigilante girl. And they have all these other amazing books that come out, like Nutmeg by um, James F. Wright and... I can never... That's really bad. Jackie Crofts. Oh, Jackie Crofts, yeah. And that's about, like, cool teenage girls who are, like, start a drugs ring, but it's, like, with cookies, and they yeah. have... And they do all these amazing books, but they're most well-known for this, like, these, like, infamous kind of, like, sexy covers that they do, these, like, risque variants. As a retailer, I've dealt with them a lot. And, and like, so we had this idea that we came up with with one of the people in, like, the Action Lab editorial team that we were going to do these, like fake variant covers yeah for our book called pussy power variants and we'd make like a pussy power logo and we would brand it with that and it would just be cat cat pictures like stock cat photos but when people read it about it on previews they'd think oh this is another gross action lab thing like curse them (laughs) we were like this is a great idea gets to the point where like we've bought the stock photos we've made the covers i still got like so many credits on suddenly they're like (laughs) suddenly they're like oh we're not sure about this anymore you know guys and we're like okay well, like, we'll just see how... And, and they're like, no, no, no. And then suddenly, like, within... Well, no, the thing is, they told us we couldn't put the word pussy... No, 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 that, well, that didn't happen first. First, oh, they didn't. didn't want... First, they weren't sure about the stock photos, and they were like... Oh, yeah, is, yeah. They're like, do people even like stock photos? I'm like, do you... Have you ever been on the internet, yeah? And then, lo and behold, what happens? Valiant announces, like, the same, a, yeah, The this, same week we're getting ready to submit this to previews. And, like, no, no, and they're telling us not to do it. Valiant releases this cat covers variant scheme that is huge, goes completely viral. It's and cats like, and cosplay. Breaks the internet, and, like, everyone... And it's pretty much the same as what we do. So then, obviously, they turn around, and they're like, oh, yeah, you can do that. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, that's not happening. I was like, I don't want to look like we're biting them and i also don't want to look like we're like i didn't i have this i hate like bullying or like snarky stuff and i was i don't want them to seem like we're like taking the you know piss out of them or like they're because i think it's a cool idea and i was like but we can do something with this pussy power they're like no you can't put the word pussy on the front cover i was like (laughs) no no no, i was like you gotta be crazy right this is like what two months this publisher does bare breast variants bare breast variants but so we were very look, confused. There's nothing about boobs that's a problem, yeah? No. But, like, their whole schemes as, like, dead teenage girl boobs, yeah? But you have, like, a woman writing part of your comic and you can't let me put the word pussy with a picture of a cat. Pussy and, is not even a curse word. What's so nuts about this is this was, what, late September? Yeah, and now... When look, we were doing this? And right after... And so eventually we were just like, look, I was like, guys, you know what? I don't even want to do this because, you know what? Like, if we can't... If we can't do it with the pussy power thing, if it just looks like we're copying the Valiant thing, it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel right. And it's the craziest just, thing is, they're like, oh, pussy you can't use because it's like too rude, but you can call it shitty kitties. And I was like, okay, you'll get into a point now where I'm about to like lose my shit. Because yeah. I'm like a woman and you're basically telling me it's more acceptable to write the word shit than it is for me to write like about my own fucking genitals. Which can also be about like. Which isn't even a swear word. Yeah. And there was like, so we were getting real stressed and we were like, we're not going to do it. 
And I just and they were like they were like okay we'll just drop it. But what killed us was was it a week after that was the whole um, maybe no maybe like a month afterwards all the stuff came out with when Trump. It, the same month it would have been in previews was the grab them by the pussy month. Yeah, and like and it would have taken even the kind of message that we were trying to put across that we could see right, which is this female superhero who's kicking ass and like and and, it, and you're it, using that terminology and then they did and then like it's just that it's so frustrating when you know that you have an idea that like people will connect with and then. It gets stopped, and then you just keep seeing more and more evidence that it would have been connected worked, with. Yeah. So that's why, you know. So I think on a big, and I think on a Marvel and DC kind of big two keeps, level, I think it, it would be. Snowballing? Yeah, I, I feel like it could be like a million times, and also I, the whole thing of like creating a character that you're really invested in, and then like not being able to ever they can do whatever they want with that character, and and it's been known, especially with Marvel, that they will hold that over you like a threat. Yeah. You know, that they can, like... I mean, look what they did to Carol Danvers. Like, they turned her into a fascist. Well, there's... Like, you can pick so many points in Carol's career to say, look what they did. What about when I she mean, post, slept with her son? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, post... Lover. Look, everyone knows <laughs> comics are problematic. Yeah, but, like, post uh, what Kelly Sue did, and where yeah. she created this, like, character who brought, like, so many new people into yeah. comics, created, like, one of the most intense comics fandoms, and then they were like, hey... Tony Stark, he's in the MCU. He's a good guy now. He's not a terrible alcoholic warlord. And this character who all of these women and like disabled people and women of color and all these like marginalized people really relate to, she's a fascist. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> her biggest fan, who's a young Muslim girl who's like the most com- like popular wide reach character we've had since Peter Parker, uh, she's going to be against her with all the other people of color because, you know, Carol's a fascist, a fascist. now. Oh, but also now, post Civil War II, we're doing a whole book about Carol and how she's like this good guy who everyone loves because like she was just doing it for them and they just made a bloody Kanye West Life of Pablo Carol variant cover that says Life of Carol. Like, oh, I could just I could just die. Really. That's got so many levels to I know, it right now. I, know, I can't even I, could just I don't even know die. where to take that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, and, and you know what? Maybe like you said, that everything changes depending on your perspective. So maybe yeah. given another five rungs up the fucking ladder, the three of us will all be singing, "Hey, make mine Marvel, Mary Marvel, marching society." I want those checks. And but yeah, well, that's the thing. Maybe, like... but isn't maybe that rung you were at like two rungs ago? Like maybe the nice rung. That's what I'm starting to wonder. No, no, no. no. That, but that's just that's just life. Like you spend, it's the grass is greener thing. You know, it's that, I know. It when is. you're doing that stuff, you're like, I'd do anything to like publish a book, and like, and there's sides of it that are nice. And you know, if someone turned around to me and was like, Do you want to write a Spider-Man book? I'd probably be like, Yeah, fuck my morals. It's Spider-Man. You know, because that's a bit of you is still exists. So like you said, it's all perception and and like where you're at at the time. Yeah, I just feel like maybe. I don't know, I swear what I was going to say. I guess probably wasn't that important. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I was given some pretty sage advice when uh, I did that fuck Stan Lee pin, mm-hmm. right? Because for, for a second there, the internet wanted me dead. And oh I was, my god, it was so in London, people loved that. That was like, I didn't even know it was you till like we went to dinner the other yeah. day. Oh no, till yeah. I saw it at the yeah. thing, and yeah, then yeah. I really realized you that, definitely like, made the rounds with that. Yeah, that, dude, <laughs> in, in you were like, it, like people were coming into the store and asking, like, do you sell them? And like, that was like a big thing. People, because also, I think it was around the time when people really who didn't know about Stan Lee sort of started to hear more about how he used to behave or has behaved throughout history. Yeah, it was consistently, <laughs> it's consistently yeah. forever. It's, it's yeah. odd how the story seems to spread and not spread. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the thing, just as a slight yeah. tangent, yeah. Uh, for me, when I f- first made the pin and put it out online, everybody was like, everybody knows this man, stop being fucking negative, bro. <laughs> and then going to shows, mm-hmm. 
it's completely different. Right. Yeah. Like when you go to conventions and uh, people see that, they're like, this is, and this is beat for beat every conversation. Aww, but I love Stan Lee. He's in the movies. Well, have you ever read any of the comics? No. Well, and then outline all the shitty things he's done, like how he didn't stand up for Jack during the 70s lawsuit, and how mm-hmm. he fucked over yeah. Carl Burgos and Steve Ditko and John Romita Sr. and everybody, how he fucking stands in front and is in fucking every fucking movie, not because he deserves to be as a co-creator, but because he's contractually obligated by Marvel from the Spider-Man lawsuit in the yeah. 2000s, yeah. and the fact that, like, co-creator maybe is a little bit too heavy of a term to use for him just of the nature of the Marvel method and I don't think that the Marvel method is inherently evil I think you could totally use that means of making comics to make great comics yeah I think it's and I also think it's like a really interesting bit of like unique comics history yeah but but like you say it's like that thing that Liefeld said in uh, in the that weird like New Yorker or New York Magazine hit piece that they did on him where they edited all really <laughs> yeah. weird oh, and Dan right. Slott yeah. got upset I think it's New York Times actually yeah I can't but like he said that thing about like he wasn't saying it about Fabian like he fought to get Fabian on the Deadpool credits of the movie and stuff yeah. but he said like he's like the problem with the term co-creator is like if like I wrote that comic in a room with a janitor they'd be like the janitor is the co-creator because of the nature of how yeah. they have never really changed what co-creator means in yeah. Marvel comics and mm-hmm. in like the way that comics works it's not yeah. taking away I feel like away. that may have been more eloquent than Rob even did it yeah it was but I'm, I'm giving no but <laughs> no like, but it's true though I, it no, I it, yeah I get it um, no but I just coming back to what we yeah, were yeah, talking about the, the Stan thing like so this thing comes out right and uh, it goes everywhere and this is the first time that anybody outside of my immediate sphere of influence has said anything about me other than like <laughs> good job boyo yeah. and you know thanks there's, kiddo yeah yeah there's like a fuckloaded dudes on Bleeding Cool. There's like, you know, 80 comments or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. read like, the comments? Yeah, yeah. Never read, no, 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 never read the comments. Cool. No, 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 but also, I know. never read the comments is something that people who don't write articles say because it is, you always read the comments. You shouldn't. I'm a woman, yeah? I shouldn't write read the comments on my, but you do. I didn't, look, specifically on Bleeding Cool. Yeah, but, yeah. well, you know Sorry. my feelings. I don't know what to say. No, no, no. And, and I, no, no, and I really true. appreciate them. And I appreciate Rich because he's been very good to me, but Never read the comments. comments. No, never read the comments. Yeah. No, I get it. So I there's like absolutely. 80 dudes. So there's like 80 dudes of like, what the fuck has this guy ever done? Who the fuck is he? Fuck this clown shoe. <laughs> Which I can kind of hear some, <laughs> okay, all right, I'm not a big, huge name. But that being said, you know, accomplishments should not be a qualification. I was going to say like, but also what is this like weird thing where like to have an opinion, you have to have what, like written 50 million comics or yeah. something like that. Who, that's not how life works. I know. And the irony is that who's this motherfucker that's writing a comment on the internet anonymously. Like, also, you have an opinion at all. Also like who yeah. is like running bleeding cool? Like it does, it doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. how the world yeah. works. So, you know, this thing comes out, it blows up and for like two seconds, I'm like, oh, did I just fuck up <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. my opinion like fuck that dude fuck Stan Lee yeah. like no thanks but also I would like to not burn down my entire career for something I did when I was 25 mm. right so uh, we were at a signing or something and one of our friends Cena uh, Cena Grace he does a bunch of awesome oh, yeah. comics through Image uh, felt self obsessed and a little depressed boy a whole bunch of stuff uh, we were talking, and he's. I was like, "Hey, I like how his title sounds like he's describing himself." Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, really good. yeah, pretty much. Uh, and I was like, "Hey, so you saw the stuff that happened this week, right, with the stand pin, right?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, of course." And I was like, "Did I just fuck up?" <laughs> and he was like, "No, dude. There's like a shitload of people that hate Stanley that work yeah, at Marvel. Exactly." Uh, and he was like, "You know, it's one thing if you made a pin that was like fuck Brian Bendis because he's like their cash cow right now, but." 
which I would never do because I love you, Bendis. <laughs> I just want to give you smoochies on your little bald head. <laughs> uh, no, but I, so, but that, and then he was like, you know, you, the the key rubric for that he imparted to me in terms of evaluating what is too far and what is not far enough is um, your politics are always going to change. So do you feel passionate about something in the moment? If so, why? And is it fucking crazy? If it's not fucking crazy, then you should do it. Yeah. Hmm. And I responded to that a lot, mostly because, uh, you know, I we were talking outside about how I clown on Greg Land a lot. Like I don't, I don't think his work is good. I think it's he's like the king really, of porn traces. Like, is like this really, not something everyone just really talks bad. about? Like, I, th- I just assumed that was something everyone was like, oh yeah, the porn trace guy. Yeah, I think it's really <laughs> bad, and I also think it's really funny that he's as high in the industry as he is for his work being oh, that right. bad. But this is the thing, right? That I had this. Okay, let's, I'm going to do it. Right. So I had so, this. No, I just had this realization. I did a uh, Punisher. I, I used to do a podcast at Orbit called Orbiting Pod. It's very good. It's my fa- my lovely friends still do it. But we did a, before the Punisher TV show, the Daredevil season two, where we knew Punisher was going to be in it, we did like a Punisher, like read through, right? Of like mm-hmm. seminal Punisher books. So I oh. read, like, so I read like Garth Ennis's Punisher again, right? Which for me as a kid, I felt like was like a seminal book because I was like dark and like a goth. And it was like, I saw that because like, say like Welcome Back Frank specifically, rather than the Punisher Max stuff. And I thought that's, that's like the dark night of like Punisher books. I read that book and it is like so fucking racist, yeah, and so sexist and and like not good. And I was like, wait a minute. And I went back and I read a lot of Garth Ennis' stuff and I was like, obviously Preacher's still amazing. Like I will say that. Like I reread that and it stood up. But like pretty much everything else I read, I was like It's all really and I racist. Re- no, but also I realized, yeah, that because of the nature of like patriarchal society and yeah. like white supremacy, so many of like these like held up dudes are like comics is like the epitome of white male mediocrity like they are doing shit out here that in <laughs> <laughs> Nick just pointed to himself <laughs> yeah but that like in any other field I mean that's not true because you have people like that I'm starting to wonder if it's actually every field no it is every field like there's <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> shots fired like, oh shit like mind blown, blown. <laughs> no but it's like you know there's terrible guys in literature like that as yeah, well but it's course. I remember it was like very prevalent in this field and they've almost been given carte blanche to run amok. And this is what it goes back to. Look, I feel like this is what in a way has been the subtle uh, uh, backbone of everything we've been talking about since we've been talking about our publishing things we're running into. Look, this is not actually a judgment on anybody, but it's to say this. I don't necessarily feel like I am a part of the culture that's currently in charge of running most of these combo publishers and these companies. They have a very different outlook on life. Their perspective is different. And to be honest, a lot of them do happen to be middle-aged white guys. Nothing wrong with that. I'm getting close to that point in my life, too. And maybe I'll be like that when I get there. I got my fair share of crankiness. But there is a very distinct point of view that that seems to be almost from the small publishers, like the ones we're at, up to the big ones, who are all seemingly run by people who, if you were to put them in a police lineup, all look very similar. <laughs> all seem to fit a very... You could see them at the same family Christmas if we're doing this... If, you know, if everybody's... If they look like they're related, which actually is you know, it's all home thing. You can look like anything and be related. But where I'm going with that is to say, 
I think a, a lot of the maybe the reason why I'm feeling like is it much better when you go up higher on the rungs is because if the people the who same. are sitting at the top are still sitting at the top when I get there, yeah, it probably is going to be the same. I'm probably going to be dealing with the same bullshit. You can't put the word pussy on a cover. You can't do this. You can't do it. all. all we oh, can you're see doing these a book about like an older like black woman who likes yeah. sex. Like because even Kate, even though Kate's falling, she's facing these issues on a much larger scale than I am. You know. It's, it was the same thing exactly. Where all they're seeing is that this character is gay. They're not. They're not saying, "Oh, let's embrace the possibilities of it." They're saying, "Well, is this a story you want to tell?" No, is this a story we know? want to tell? That's the difference. They that's don't actually, even. No, you're right. That's actually because they don't better. bother right. posing but it. They, no, but they do say it to you like that sometimes, which no, is kind of creepy. That's like as well. gaslighting. They're like yeah. trying to make you think it's your and idea. And look, here's the thing. I'm. I, I'm not saying I'm not friends with people in those situations, but I, I don't know that I would be comfortable working at one of these larger publishers until there's something a little bit different going on there at the top because it's it makes me miserable just doing it at the essentially self-publishing level that I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and at least, like, you know, when you get to, like, the big two levels, you have, like, literal, like, sexual harassers, like, running entire editing departments and, like, banning women I feel like the smaller companies, they're probably doing it too, you just don't know. Yeah, because there's not comics. enough. Of a, there's not enough of a flashlight on it. You know, yeah. nobody's paying enough attention. Yeah, but the problem is, like, is like even when people are paying attention, and you have like multiple women talking about it, you have like op eds on it, you have yeah, like HR true. dealing with it, that's a little different. That's right. And they're like still there, like people like you know, Eddie Brigenza. Yeah, like, yeah. You know and that people... shit. And the thing is, like, if you're looking at an industry, right, where their response to someone who has been like more than once, let's say. A, like accused and accepted of like harassing women your response is to not hire women like that is just getting shaken out of the superman department now and still only really we're seeing it on like mini series you know because like and that's just mind-blowing and that's kind of the level and that's why things like these people that you see getting celebrated where you're like how are they getting celebrated like this is not this is like the base level of stuff and I, that's like when I was rereading the Ennis, like a lot of the Ennis stuff, and when you see all this stuff around like J. Scott Campbell and his weird photo <laughs> traces of like photo tracing sexy Mary Jane and making it oh into sexy 15 year old reread. Oh my God, like he's just drawing the same character pose over and over. No, I mean, I mean that's a, a whole separate conversation of how that individual has just stopped looking at any other artwork other than himself and yeah. it's this weird voice. Yeah. And that is one of the it's most. So fucking but there's strange. so much things like that, like uh, so many things like that in comics. That so then I talk about it and I'm angry and then I am in this weird cycle where then I become obsessed with comics because they're so weird and it feels like no one else can work like that like uh, what's his it's D oh. yeah Diodato right so there was a uh, how the fuck is that guy still getting work dude there was a, I used an, to think he was great when yeah. he didn't trace everything yeah because yeah, uh, we didn't use fucking poser to right. do every dude, book there how is, good did he used to be though there is like who used to have assistants? He used to do it on like a weird, like, like a studio kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But like back, I loved his Thunderbolts stuff when he first started on that book. I thought that was really fucking random. But, but this, that's probably when. But this I... is the thing: is like that that era was like full of studio kind of classical yeah. artist manga stuff. But the weirdest thing is, he did an iron, and I hadn't really thought about him for a long time. I yeah. hadn't really read a lot of mainstream comics for a while till I started working at the comic shop, which like was a couple of years ago. It was, like, it, was, it was like a year and a half ago at this point, a little bit yeah. less even. No, it was like two years because I started on like Halloween, a week before Halloween. Oh, yeah, so like a year and a half. Yeah, ago, 20, yeah. 2015. Yeah. And, um, and so I started reading, like I'd read a couple of Marvel novels, but we were doing the review podcast and we had this, I guess it's an, I think it's an Iron Man book because Doctor Doom's in Iron Man now or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, dude, uh, the, Doc, 
like in, in that variable book, Iron Man, yeah, like, Iron they slap some other Doom. eye. Doctor Doom, yeah, Adjective. is Vincent Cassell irredeemable? Okay, no, 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 no. Isn't no. it irredeemable it's not, Iron Man? He is Doctor Doom is irredeemable Iron Man now, but back back oh, now yeah. this was there like were, there was inter, there was Invincible Iron Man and International Iron Man. And he no, was he was in Invincible. <laughs> Iron. He was in Invincible. International yeah. Iron Man is like a sexy kind of Tony Stark James Bond book about yeah. him being in college or something. <laughs> Which I want to love. I read like the first four issues and I'm like this is great. <laughs> I'll t- uh, we got a good insight. I don't, I'm not going to say who we heard it from. But we got a good insight on why maybe that stuff seems like it has potential, but it ends up being very like. Ugh. Is because apparently they're they're keeping Ugh. that character locked down so hard that you can't that even write. You can't write a character who talks shit on Tony Stark. Now yeah, because Marvel will shut it down at editorial. Because the movies are so popular. I because just, they're considering him their, their flagship character. Right I would now. assume that it's because of the movies. Because nobody in comics likes him. Like I didn't really know that. Because like one of my best friends' favorite character is Tony Stark. I always thought he was a bit of a douche. But when I started working in the shop. Oh, people hate Tony Stark, man. He's when, been horrible. When Civil well, it's, War comes it's out, because he's the Shia LaBeouf of comics right now. He's just <laughs> everywhere. That is true. But even before that, like no, but politically and stuff. Politically, like, yeah, and the he's weirdest terrible. thing is, like, so when you get Civil War, you get these people who are like very politically progressive, who are like politics, like lecturers, like you know, yeah. like like academics and stuff, and they're all coming in and they're like, I just need you to know, like, I'm Team Cap, and they're like buying Team, and these are like. A guy who literally is like a signifier of like American imperialism, and they're still picking him over Tony Stark because they hate this guy so yeah. much. And I had no idea it was like that. So when we heard that Marvel was like cracking down editorially on people writing characters saying bad stuff about, I was like, that is just wild. But yeah, no, Diodato photo traced Vincent Cassell as Doctor Doom, so now Vincent Cassell canonically is. Doctor Doom, which to me, I'd never really seen. Oh, right, because he doesn't take his mask off ever, normally, no, no, he, except for once and no, twice. No, 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 anyway. but post the big right, reveal right, of right. Secret Wars is Doom doesn't have a mask anymore. Right, right, right. Secret yeah. War, right. Because it was Did meant you not to... like Secret War? I didn't read it. Oh, I loved it. I lo- the miniseries itself, I no, loved I, I'm, it. The I'm, be, I'm being sassy, yeah. but I didn't read it. it. It could be the greatest book ever. I don't know. It, I, normally, I mean, I, I mean, would the not... creative team was pretty, like, wild for a, like, event book for them. And... As much as I hate late books, like thank God that they also, took their time. When you actually think about it, like the prob- this was a classic kind of diamond boring insider comics thing, but like it was a nine issue book that came out over nine months. It's not actually a late book. They got nine issues out in nine months. The problem was it was meant to be in like six months. It was why make an event like that? It's a n- nine it's months. Those shenanigans get very tired with the on that publishing side where it's yeah. like you know yeah, oh, we're yeah. gonna put it back a couple weeks. We're gonna you know we've decided to add a ninth issue because yeah, yeah. you're enjoying reading it so no, much. No, no, that's not. No, it's <laughs> no, not. It was, it was meant to be eight issues, and the eighth issue was going to be um, like a, a oversized issue, but it was yeah. running so late that they just split it into yeah. two issues. Mm-hmm. But like. I couldn't believe it because I guess I had seen photo traces, but not so much where you actually steal someone's likeness. Like I actually yeah, thought like that Sam was illegal. Back in Ultimates. Yeah. Or I, I, or even Diodato did it in Thunderbolts. Uh, what's his nut? Oh yeah, yeah. Tommy um, Lee Jones yeah. is. Oh my god! Is yeah. Osborne. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I started going back and looking right because I was so intrigued by how he'd like. I knew I lo- I used to love Vincent Cassell when I was a kid because of yeah. like Lahane and stuff. So like I knew the photos that he was like photo tracing from and I was just like how how are you getting paid for this like I'm like suddenly I'm like I could draw comics because I'm good at tracing I've I've explained this theory before when David Letterman was doing a lot of his exit interviews before the show closed down people were like why did you do it so long man like it might have not even been that funny for the past few years he's like you know what 
I employ like 50 people who are my staff that work with me. We've been together for so long. They have families that survive because I'm doing this show. I wanted to do this show for as long as I possibly could to keep everything going for them, to keep us together. And I think... A lot of these publishers probably operate yeah, yeah, a similar yeah. way. I was going to be like, Diodato is not like feeding anyone's family. But like, Diodato's been with Marvel since the mid-90s. Yeah. yeah okay. You know what I mean? Is, these these are their families no, no, now. No, no. You that, know what I mean? Like, these guys are so tight. They see each other all the time. I'm not saying it's right. But yeah, what I'm saying not. is I think the reason they do it is because they don't give a shit if Greg or Mike is photo tracing somebody. These are their friends. And they yeah, give them the job. They say, who do you want to draw? I'm going to give you that book. Yeah. And they give it to them and they do it and they keep employing them so then it but builds up this, this idea that those, they're a superstar. But this is what I'm saying is this is one of those weird, unique oddities of comics. It's like, this is not some, like, it's not like your friend's record label and you're like, hey, you can come and cut a record in my studio and I'll like burn it onto a CD and you can give it to your mum. This is like a multi-billion dollar corporation where that is like the way that they're but, dealing with no, properties. No, no. But then here's where it gets interesting. It's not being run like that because there was a time when it wasn't. There was a time when the balance was zero or less. No, I know that. And my- that's when a lot of these guys really got tight. And the problem is that, you know, by word of mouth, Ike still runs Marvel as if it is like yeah. that. Yeah. And because of, of that, that mentality stays even though everything's growing up around. Which is why we yeah, don't have a goddamn union. Exactly. Like, which to me is just mind-blowing. Because mm-hmm. obviously in New England as well, uni- unionizing is like a national like pastime. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't like get... I've read some crazy stuff about how here they can like... They can like fire people for trying to uni- unionize and stuff. Some and, bullshit. But whereas in England, like you couldn't do that. Yeah, you know, it's it's like, cool that there's like John Romita Senior pay- literal pages on t-shirts at Target and he's not getting any money for I that know. because it was work for hire. 60 years ago. It's totally cool. Don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, it's un- he gets he gets monies on his reprints and that's Yeah, but that doesn't yeah, but fuck that. that. Exactly. Fuck like, that. No. He deserves I'm, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's where that's how they get paid know, and that's and about you know it. what's really interesting is like with stuff like As far like, as I know. With he stuff, might get some movie money actually. With stuff like yeah. that, you have to have the goal to like personally sue people. Like Rihanna really famously was one of the first people who did that where she sued like Topshop. Mm-hmm. Because they made a T-shirt with a photograph that they'd bought off the person who took the photograph and put it on a T-shirt, but they didn't get her permission, and she won the lawsuit, and it mm-hmm. was unprecedented because they'd bought it off the person who owned the photograph, but she owns her own likeness. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like these kind of weird little legalities, and comics exploits every single one of those loopholes. Yeah. And like you, the unionizing thing is so wild as well. Like I saw like the guy from BuzzFeed trying to stop people from unionizing recently, like sending out like dodgy, threatening emails and stuff. And I was just like, it's crazy to me that a company that's making billions and billions and hires thousands of people doesn't have a union. Like is still working on this weird friendship basis. Yeah, it's it's super it is. sad. Um, Let's transition. Yeah, shout out to my friends. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to my homies yeah. who are getting bumped. Yeah, shout out to everyone we love who works for a big two company. Um, All five of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of you. Uh, two. One and a half. <laughs> Whatever. It's going to be more as time goes on because that's the only thing that keeps me not going in terms of like I even want to work there. But uh-huh. I just know that this industry is so small that... The three of us have managed to amass whatever we've yeah. managed to amass right now, and uh, we're not going anywhere. So, no. and also, I like the thing is to like make it a positive thing. Like, you do see the problem with Marvel is, like you say, it's like there's like rungs in Marvel, and mm-hmm. at some point, it becomes all these like dude bro-y guys who like once were together when the company was almost broke, and then they saved it by making Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. or right something. Right in Marvel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we made a book about sexy Aunt May. Who remembers that one? High five, bro. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Trouble, 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 trouble. Oh, my God. Thanks, Mark Miller. The, the photo covers for that book are still some of my favorite worst things that have ever been I done. Love like, them. I love they're them so, so much. Dude, like, we used to we, have. Are them. we complicit? By enjoying the shittiest things they've done. That's you sometimes like what I worry. You like Civil War, so you are one hundred percent. Okay, I like that Wait, book. A Civil lot. War One. Yeah, I do. Oh, I, love I think that book. I think there's a way to read that book mm-hmm. as as like a very okay. like weird f- middle finger. Commentary I would agree with you. Yeah, in the belly of the if, beast. But that's like that. That for me, that book is like the old. If you that reading of that book, yeah. which I do get because I reread it after yeah. you like explain to me. But that is an ultimate, like, separate the art from the artist. Because when you know Mark Miller and his work <laughs> and his beliefs and the way that he behaves, that is not That's what that book true. was trying to put across. Well, you know what? He's but like, he might have been crazy high off painkillers because he was going through <laughs> fucking Crohn's disease at yeah, the time. That so. is true. He's, he's kind of like a petulant kid at times with the way he takes I don't mean that as a negative thing. I mean that sometimes it's fun to experience art from a petulant child. I'm definitely yeah. that kind of artist myself at times. And like, you know, if you if you look at it from that thing where he's like, ah, smashing the action figures together, it's kind of a fun book. Yeah, yeah, I get I get that side. And of the action it. figures are really pretty because McNiven drew them. Mm-hmm. And also it's all about civil liberties. I, I'm it, for me I'm always like I'm just like if I want to read a book about civil liberties, I'll just read X-Men. I'm yeah, like, I, don't I mean, need... I, I mean, it is. It's like a weird, big budget, like big yeah. boy X Men book. And it, it is, but also there's part of me that loves that. Yeah, and the thing is, there's nothing wrong with it. But like, when you, if you're talking about like complicit nature, it's that hard thing of like. But I, I feel like that about Marvel. Like, part of me is like, I'd like turn down whatever book they gave me and be like, I need you to put like more, you know, diverse creators on it. And then I know I'd be like sitting at home crying when they put like. Max Landis on whatever book they were going to give me and I'm like oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes it's like that conundrum like do you take it just because like you feel like you can like, do something well, good with it I guess I could do something with this maybe probably not no. <laughs> no I don't know it would have to be I don't know it's, no but I, it I is nice was... to see like them trying to get more creators like they're given um Jillian Tamaki, Look, who I love. They're doing no, stuff. No, 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 Marco Tamaki. Oh, is it Marco yeah, who's Marco. doing um, she, uh, Hulk. She-Hulk? They're yeah. doing the things. Book. They're not. They're doing things they may have not done before, which is nice to see them do. Is no, it always like a little bit later than you'd like to be? And is it well, very no, painful but the process? Thing is, yes. I, I have to say, in Marvel's defense, a phrase I don't say very often, <laughs> right? Like six or seven years ago, whenever they did that first Marvel Now imprint, but I think it was actually the second one because I think they did a brief one. Like, it's, a you can't ago. keep track of Marvel Now. It's, but when they did the Marvel it's Now like a stuff Hydra. that had. Miss Marvel, that had the Gillan McKelvey Young Avengers. Yeah. That was so like, good. That is like that era. Uh, it had the the Charles Saul She Hulk, where she's just like a badass lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like that book, that imprint from them was really doing different stuff. Like, yeah, it was still within the boundaries of comics, but that was a moment when I was like, oh, mainstream comics, this could change stuff, you know. And Miss Marvel, first Marvel book in like a decade to go to seven printings on its first issue. Like, they hadn't looked at numbers. Now they get them because of the Star Wars books. But they weren't really looking well, at printing it, it, numbers before like that, that. Yeah, it's like Hawkeye and that, right? Yeah, they were yeah. like the books that people liked. Like, I read a quote from, I can't remember, but there's like a famous quote about Marvel where it's like, every 10 years, Marvel tries to make a character like Peter Parker. Like, that's their thing, and they can never do it. Sleepwalker got pretty close. <laughs> Hey, man, don't talk shit about Sleepwalker, bro. Don't <laughs> talk so, no shit about Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker and the Web Slingers, you know, Prodigy, oh. Dusk, oh, yeah. Hornet, yeah. Ricochet. Oh, man. <laughs> see, that's how they would get me. No, see, that's this, how they'd get no, no, me. No. If they, okay, if they so were like, is, bro, well, no, you can put a Ricochet miniseries. This is our big deal, right? It's like we know that realistically, look at the way that they editorially kind of 
jolt you about with those books and make you do weird stuff and you don't want to be on a main title book no for Marvel you like me? you can't do anything they're going to make you make Kappa Nazi they're going to do a <laughs> bunch of stuff that makes people hate you or you're going to do it yourself because you're like a terrible white dude and and it's like <laughs> but <laughs> but you know if they would let you like write like a weird like power pack book or something or like a weird like Some, small yeah, something where you could do whatever the hell yeah, you want yeah we make to. up all but these like weird team done? up no, they're not though. Because look at the characters that they're bringing out. Like they did a Howard the Duck book. That oh, was super oh, right. popular you mean the Solo them. book and the Slapstick book and stuff like well, that? Well, no, no, like well, Slapstick. That's the current wave of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and the, but they did. It looks terrible, but that's the yeah, current I haven't wave of that I, stuff. I, I and like also, the Slapstick's idea of it. coming from like. Also, that Solo book is like super hard biting on fucking uh, Ben Mara. Yeah, and also like, like one man, really? one yeah, man yeah, yeah, war on yeah. terror is his book's title. Like yeah. he did okay. a book called Amwat, One Man War on Terror. And the new solo book is called Solo: One Man War on Terror. And also that, you guys, also like man. that, so, that solo book is a classic. Like, it's one of those books that comes around every so often that always makes me laugh because no matter the first five or six people I see mention it, the first thing they say is, "When is this book getting cancelled?" <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Like anytime they do like a Wild Pack and the Silver Sable book. Yeah, yeah. Have or, they done one recently? Uh, it's been I've a while, a but they book. they did. <laughs> You're like, I've read a comic. <laughs> That's like one character I do know. No, but like the they when they do those like Hellcat bringing. Mm-hmm. I mean, in its own way, I feel like it's kind of problematic because they tried to make it like a superhero thing when it's coming from the romance era. But for me, I actually love the Marvel romance era of comics along with like the monster stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a really interesting look at like gendered mm-hmm. comics. So now they're bringing back Mar- Monsters Unleashed, right? Which I love, except. Fucking Greg Land is on it. And uh, isn't it like Cullen Bunn as it's well? Bunn. The Marvel House writer, like who they put on every single book. Hey, and it's like, these guys that are friends. Sixth Gun is so You're going to get your friend's job before you get somebody else a job. Well, it's Dude. also not even just friends. It's in, in Cullen Bunn's case, when he's good, he's really good. And when he's not good, he's not very good. But he's consistent and always turns shit on Well, that's on the time. thing. And, and But the, the thing for me is like when you say that thing about like, oh, if it's my friend, it's like, would, if I have, like, a friend who has, like, 50 jobs, yeah, would I maybe consider, like, giving someone who didn't have a job a job? Yes. There's times when Cullen Bunn has, like, six or seven books out in one month. And not just, obviously, not just through Marvel, but when he's doing, like, Harrow County and all these that other guy, stuff. He's, he must, he's got a lot of bills to pay. Look, it's nothing to do with bills. <laughs> but you know what, though? I would be that same way. No, like, me- I don't know if necessarily I would be that same way about the big two. But if I get to a place where I have even a remote open door to get all my friends' work and make it, books, of course. I'm going to run at that shit with a fucking no, also, like, machete. No, but also my other thing for me is like, and I know this is, I guess I feel like I can say it as a writer, but I also know it might seem kind of harsh, so it's not specifically about like that writer. But also I'm like, really? When it comes down to it, yeah, who has the hard job making comics? Like, if someone was like, hey, do you want to write a Monsters Unlimited book? Now I've done my research. I've written about Monsters Unlimited what, or Marvel Monsters, as it used to be called. Uh, and I've... I've Is it called Unleashed now? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's, it's called Unleashed. Yeah, but, like, I've read... Was it Unlimited at first? Uh, I don't know. They're always university. using... University? <laughs> but it used to just be called, like, Monsters, right? And they had the romance books. Oh, my God, I just got something. The Monsters, Inc. franchise and the Monsters Unleashed. Wait. Together. <laughs> oh, okay, that's your pitch to Marvel. Well, Disney owns Marvel now. Because they did Monsters. I'm not saying I yeah. want to write that. I'm saying they did Monsters University and now yeah. they're doing this like Monsters Unleashed. But, no, it's like, Maybe they're going to have Sully in but it. But the is thing what is, I'm like, saying. that book is amazing. The original 60s ones, right? Because I've got those and I've got yeah, the romance yeah. comics. Like, they're some of my like nice old comics. 
But the monsters, they're great because it's the same story every single time. It's a generic, made-up, unlicensed monster with a name like, oh, or Blurg, rampaging through a city. And that is the whole story. The same way that every time in a romance comic, it's about a woman who either leaves a guy for her career, very rarely, or a woman who is in love with another guy, but he loves a better-looking woman, right? So if, if Marvel came to me and were like, hey, do you want to write this book? I would be getting that book in time. People would be like, hey, you know who's a really, really relatable, like good, kind of responsible writer you can rely on? It's Rosie. Because do you know how long it would take me to write a book about a monster called Blarg? Not very long. But do you know how it would but do you know how long it do you know how long it would take someone to draw it? A really long time. Because yeah. artists are the people who are really like putting in the work in comics. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like so that's why I can when people are prolific in writing comics. I feel like I can relate to that as a and understand why that's a thing you're able to do. Yeah. Whereas, like, with artists, it's, like, so much harder to do. I don't know how artists do, like, are on, like, four ongoing books I was just talking like about that. this the other day with Somni when he was on Rocketeer and Daredevil at the same time. Like, did he just... Was he drawing us concurrently? drawing those yeah. at the same time. How the fuck did he do and that? Also that? That's Rocketeer why you get yourself like... a Modern Masters volume from Tomorrow's Publishing. Oh, right, yes. <laughs> Yeah. And that Rocketeer book was so pretty as well. Was he on the new, the Charles Saul Daredevil? Uh, no, he was on the Mark Waite. Oh my God, that book is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that was like, that's like yeah, I mean, the that's... first seminal Daredevil book in like decades since like the Miller stuff, really. And that book is like... Well, that's not fair. Okay, I'm talking, no, no, the okay. Darede- the, the Bendis and, and Brubaker stuff no, no, no. is great. I love like those guys a lot. But I was just, I'm, when, I'm always thinking of like what books people from like a retailer perspective mm-hmm. would come in and be like hey I want a Daredevil book like I've heard of you know the Daredevil book whatever it is like sad blind kind of not really blind guy that Frank Miller wrote and then this Mark Wade one which was like those seemed to be like the big two of the books that mm. people knew about mm. and Mark Wade was the book that the Mark Wade one was a book that made people in my opinion like who were coming into shops that was a book that made them want to read like when Charles Saul one came out the pull lists were full of that mm. book because of how much people loved the Mark Wade one fuck yeah yeah do it uh, do you guys have any tips or tricks uh, for people who want to learn how to start doing conventions as we transition hmm. don't show up with 200 of the same book and just lay it out on your table it's, mm. called, it's what we call an amateur move mm. but with that said don't feel like you can't just share a table if you only have one book. Don't just show up with a sketchbook and say the book's coming in a year. It's another amateur move. But do just make an eight-page story and do that and show up. And, like, no, maybe people... you make two books or whatever. But just, like, just like go out to have fun. I was saying this. I did this panel, this really fucking weird panel, oh. a few months ago. And the, people were asking us questions. And I realized when the big shift happened to me for when I started to enjoy conventions. And I said, don't go there trying to make fans. Go there to make friends. And when you stand behind that table and you shake somebody's hand and you start up a conversation and you remember that person and you see them the next time you come to that table and all of a sudden they're not... They're not showing up just because they're like, oh, I like your work or whatever. They're there because they're like, hey, what's up? Like, how you been? What are you doing? And you get to say the same things back. That's a really special thing. I agree. And you get... That's how I met you, lovely folks. Yeah, exactly. It's really special. Mm -hmm. That's my advice. I agree. I don't... Yeah, I'm not... I'm not really... Like, in England, conventions are like a different beast... They're, more, they different? they're very much the few conventions that we have 
are very heavily like pop culture focused. I know people say that about. Well, that's here too. No, no, no. I know, but I know people say that about San Diego. Yeah, but like when I went to San Diego, within like the first forty-five minutes, I met pretty much like every hero I ever had in comics. Like I was like, oh, walk around the corner. Someone, I'm looking at a book. Some woman's like, oh, please wait here. They're coming to sign that soon, and I'm worried no one's gonna turn up. And I'm like, oh, the Hernandez brothers. Yeah, no one's gonna turn up to that signing. <laughs> and then it's like around the corner, meet Grant Morrison. He's like, oh, hey, why don't you pitch for heavy metal? I'm just like, what? In England, they have like an artist's alley and it's a bunch of people you've never heard of. Like even when you're into mini comics, it's a bunch of people who seem to like specifically work. Like there's this convention company called MCM and they do two conventions a year. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest two. I think they're a French anime television and fan channel from France, right? And then... There's the London Super Comic Con, which was basically started by four rich dudes because they wanted to meet their comics heroes. So they just fly people over and they charge like £700 for a signature of like Princess Leia or whatever. <laughs> and then there's London Super Comic Con. No, that's that. Yeah, I think that's about it. Mark Miller did start an amazing Comic Con in London mm-hmm. that ran for two years called Shaz- Kapow. Mm. And that was the thing that I went to that felt like An-actual what I imagined show. a Comic Con sure. to be Old. like. But old dirty mill Miller making you feel good and bad. Yeah, right. I don't read anything he writes anymore. No. I won't do it. Okay, I say that yeah, but then I read that uh, when I was working in the shop. He did that Huck book, which I just found very offensive in a million ways because it's like, what if the guy who's the hero isn't the one you expected? And it's like a white farm boy. It's like a Superman analog, and I'm like, oh yeah, wasn't expecting that guy to be the hero, but he's like clearly coded as like mentally disabled so that's mm-hmm. offensive and then at the end of the book like the first issue he he's like whole thing is he can find people so he goes and saves some girls from boko haram and he's like a w- big white dude like f- beating up these like black baddies it's really yeah. and that happens in every book the next one he finds someone in al-qaeda or something it's really bad yeah but then i read that empress book right because i love like um oh, imminent yeah so i was like Okay, Imanum, and on the front cover, it's like some like sexy, like wizardess kind of like yeah. badass old fantasy woman riding a T Rex or something. And I'm like, and I read it, and it was so good. And I was like, just just do this. Like, I don't want to read your weird like socio political like libertarian. I love Brexit like comics. Like, just write like a straight kind of fantasy sci fi book, and it was so good. Like it was, I was like, I read the, I read like three issues. I didn't, well, I didn't have to buy comics then because I was in retail. So I it was hear, a lot more. I hear it. I'm glad easy. that it was good, but I just can't. It just can't clicked it. for me. Miller is the Liefeld of his generation of those. Oh, wow. That's, wow. that's, that's, like, that's a big that's giving, statement. That's, to giving, make. that's giving, that's giving Rob Liefeld more credit, or I, Mark no, Miller more credit yeah, than I think. I feel he like, deserves. I feel like I they're, that they're two, very analogous. I feel like, no, I feel like they both have different. Ways, I guess, actually, in a way, because like Mark Miller is somehow he now just makes comics that are pitches. Like that Huck yeah. comic is so decompressed to the point of being. I reckon that was maybe like a three or four page script if you compressed it. Like yeah. it was, there's no dialogue in that book, and it's all just Albuquerque killing it. Mm-hmm. And that was the amazing book where that was the book that he did the Miller World search for, and then Albuquerque <laughs> was just like, "Hey, I'll draw that book for you." And then and it was like Raphael Albuquerque won like the Miller World talent <laughs> search, and I was like, "Of course he did, because it's Raphael Albuquerque who wouldn't want like him to draw your book." But that book is a pitch. Yeah, like, no, that, they all are. They and, all are. They are. And, and the best thing is, like in the back page, he has like this like really mid-2000s, like, sexy alt chick who has this, like, her bio photos, like, her, like, laying down, like, in a sexy pose with, like, a skull t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. 
and she's and the first thing in everything is like you know I'm writing here from Miller World I just thought I'd let you guys know that this book it was optioned you know before it even got put out as a comic <laughs> so you know you'll be seeing a movie of this real soon and that's in every book yeah. and it's just like we know like we're all very aware yeah, that Mark Miller uses like image or whatever company he's writing for to just say get something printed that he can take to Hollywood and be like hey make this into a film you know so I guess in a way the way that he uses comics is kind of similar to like or, or, or reference Fuck like that noise. I'm just saying Fuck if, that if you consider it is those the worst if when thing the, when to artists me. were running shit and you got the image crew or whatever you can call some some of the guys too if you flip it and it's writers running shit in the early zeros and it's Bendis it's Morrison it's Miller Ellis you know all that stuff I think he's the Liefeld of that era when you phrase it that way yeah uh, yeah I'm not gonna argue with you yeah, yeah. I did, like I like Liefeld more but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah fair. I agree yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with you. Um, where can people find you? Find folks on the interwebs. Don't. <laughs> God damn it! Pimp your shit, Nick. No, you love the internet. It's Internet's your fave. All right. Yeah, yeah. At Nick Marino on Twitter. Word. NickMarino.net. Dope. Uh, yeah, at Rosie Marks on Twitter and Instagram, and my website is RosieOliviaKnight.com. Dope. You can find yeah. me at HeyDaveBaker.com. Hmm. Oh, that's uh, a, that's good. That's very good. Thanks. Uh, and I'm Baker X on everything else. Uh, all right. I feel like this was a very productive <laughs> chat. Yeah. I feel like we should do this again soon. We should. Recorded this is or so not good. recorded. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, uh, Aristotle. Yeah. Thank uh, you, guys. I also feel like we should all walk out of this room so we can cool down because it's hot. It's I'm very hot. I know. My face is so red, I bet. I'm just so hot. Um, you do this all day, Aristotle. You're he's, a trooper, He's dude. fucking, he's, he's in it for the, to win it, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, please go out and pre-order. There's something Cub. that's in that stack of uh, weird We didn't talk about like half this shit. I'm so sorry. We'll, do, okay. a, we'll do another episode. No, but those, come are, back yeah. those this, are like your little zini bits. People can find is, those from you guy. at comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic-Con and that, stuff like that. That get-stuffed mini-comic. That's for you, Dave. Oh, fuck yeah. What's up? Um, dope. Uh, yeah. Uh, Holy Fuck and Holy Fuck are out through, uh, Action Lab. You've order through any comic book store in yep. the nation and yep. uh, Cougar and Cub is in previews right now so please go hopefully coming soon yeah. yeah 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 yeah. stay tuned to the drama drama okay round two name something that's not boring Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.